episode of What Is My Podcast About? A podcast where, on a basis of once every two weeks, bi-weekly, you might say. It gets more stilted every time, Matthew, and you know it. Bi-weekly, we will release an episode talking about some topic that we may potentially choose as our final would-all-be-all-end-all topic to talk about for this podcast. I am Matthew, as you have heard. I think he just low-key threatened to end this podcast if you don't smart enough. I think he's <laughs> he's threatening to torpedo the entire podcast. Well, anyway, joining me to get today is Peter. Hello. And Keith. Hey. I don't like how he said today, so he's either torpedoing the podcast or replacing us. <laughs> anyway, that aside... I'm excited for the new Warframe expansion that's going to be coming out next week. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> Neither of us were fucking surprised, Matthew. <laughs> well, Heart of Deimos is going to have a new open world, this time focusing on the faction of Infested, which, if you know anything about Halo, is essentially the Flood. What okay. does Halo have to do with Warframe? They're two... Are they? They're is both... Warframe set in the Halo universe? Well, they're both technically set in our universe, just kind of more spacey sci-fi setting so maybe so no true it's good enough for me warframe has the three factions the infested aka the flood corpus aka a cult that worships money and then the grenier aka space communists i can get behind all that so it's the flood uh capitalists and communists pretty much yeah cool Alright, yeah, I'm alright with that. And Space Ninjas. With an ever-increasing arsenal of weaponry. Where did they land, uh, land on the capitalist to communist spectrum? So they were actually... actually more of the Flood. <laughs> They're part of the Flood. The Flood Ninjas. They were employed by another race that is, for the most part, extinct at this point, aside from a few others, who, uh... They were essentially bodyguards and mercenaries. Do they fight a lot... I know this isn't our Warframe <laughs> podcast, but now I need to know more about the law. Do they fight alongside the capitalists and communists or against the capitalists and communists? Sometimes. Yes for both. Are the capitalists and communists humans or other races? Other races. Humanoid. But... Was the race that the space ninjas work on behalf of or were created by, were they humans? Or are hum do humans have nothing to do with Warframe? Humans are... In a sense, humans as humans, extinct. There's various humanoid races, but human-human, gone. Okay, I already see this wormhole forming here, so I'm just gonna... Speaking of Halo... Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Halo Infinite, that's a thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it got delayed. Fuck. So it's not. it was supposed to be the launch title for the new Xbox, but it's not, because I'm guessing Craig really fucked it up, and now they have to do some more work. Well, one of my friends pointed out to me that uh, if you look at the trailer that we got, you'll notice that there are absolutely no reflections in anything whatsoever. It isn't... Based on my limited experience vis-a-vis uh, -vis only playing the first Halo game, aren't reflections just not a part of the Halo universe? There's, we don't want to spook Master Chief, otherwise just go back into his hole for like three years. Oh, I mean like in uh, like water reflections, reflections in the visor of like scenery and such. Was that a thing in the first game? Yeah. I think there was some, like... It, it was... It was flashes kind of... on the visor and like, three? Yeah, in... And I think uh, Reach had some of that, too. Yeah. But yeah, they always had, like, kind of reflections on water and such, but none of that is present in the Halo Infinite trailer. Oh, okay. 
So clearly, so they're, they're nowhere near being done. Yeah, there's something just, seriously off with their lighting system. They just wanted to tease some shit before they were... Man, I hope Craig's okay. I think he's going to be the first casualty of this delay. Oh, You're actually going to be fighting against oh. a completely different no. enemy. He's going to have a complete improvement. He comes back and he actually starts going by Craigery. <laughs> that is the extended form of Craig, right? I'm not insane. He's just got a big mustache on. <laughs> Hola, I am Gregory. Uh, another fun announcement. I don't know if you guys uh, are a fan of Dragon Ball Fighter Z, but they announced a new fighter, and it's fucking Master Roshi. Can he get really buff like he can in certain scenes? It looks like it. Okay. So otherwise, he's just going to get curb stomped. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't he just kind of like... Not on par with any of the other fighters for most of that. I mean, if you go to Super, he does kind of power up level that he's effective in the world tournaments. Okay. Or the universe tournaments, I should say. And he was the person who invented the Kamehame wave. Kamehameha? Yeah. yeah. That's it. Kame means turtle. That is not a... Th- now that I know that that <laughs> attack is so much less threatening. <laughs> Turtle ha wave! <laughs> <laughs> the turtle ha ha wave? <laughs> it's Kame ha me ha. Oh, okay. I forgot about the other May. It's the turtle ha me ha wave. What does ha me mean? I don't know. Family. Wait, no. <laughs> turtle family ha wave? <laughs> oh my god! I kind of want to get hit by this attack now. It sounds delightful. It's too slow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway fuck sorry for breaking Peter this early we may have to end our podcast prematurely speaking of breaking Peter I recently beat Deadly Premonition 2 nice yeah, uh, fun game uh, I didn't do exactly what I wanted to do which I kind of wanted to flush out the world because I really want to see what this world has it kind of just addresses the story of one and answers some questions you didn't know you had fair but I'll get more into that. My birthday's coming around soon. We'll see. Does it lend itself to kind of replaying through it and understanding more on... No, it does not hold your hand at all. So if you didn't play one, you're probably not going to enjoy two. Fair. It's not a game that you can just pick up and go through. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, and uh, for the last bit of news, I something I want to talk about is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. finally ended. Oh no. That was still going? Yep. It I... had its final season and it was actually pretty cool because... The final season was just a bunch of uh, nods and like homages, like just celebrating the series. So they actually got stuck traveling through time, pretty much doing the greatest hits of stuff. And there's a part where they're in the '80s. Well, two characters get stuck in the '80s, and the name of the episode is "Excellent Adventure." <laughs> and uh, there's these two characters that are kind of stuck here. One ends up ripping off all the '80s rock bands and invents all their songs before they can, and becomes really popular. But the world gets invaded by robots <laughs> from the future. <laughs> So they have to fight the robots, and there's a part where one guy, uh, essentially, he doesn't want to do anything anymore because his parents are dead. So he's like, I'm through fighting all that stuff. So they effectively have to bring him out of retirement, and yes, it does have the awesome arm grab. Matt, don't worry, you're not the one who broke me. Uh, This is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yep. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was okay for the first two seasons, got really good for season three, went down a bit again, and then actually took off was really good at its own thing when it wasn't trying to piggyback off the MCU. Oh, okay. I really only watched it for, like, the first two seasons, so... Oh, yeah, that's perfectly fair. Again, like, the first two to three seasons, they're really trying to piggyback off the MCU. Yeah. Like, a very needy, like, 
significant other, and then essentially they're like, well, fine, you don't want to respond to my texts, and they, then they went and got a makeover, got really hot, and then it's like, well, fuck you, MCU, and did their own thing. Sure. That's the best way I can describe it. I'm sure it makes sense to other people who have watched the entirety of the show. It does. I'd hope so, because that <laughs> sounds completely off base with everything I know about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Bonkers is the word you're looking for. It sounds completely yeah. bonkers. Yes. It stopped being a Monster of the Week type show after they kind of just stopped referencing Marvel stuff. Okay. The moment it just started being its own thing and stopped caring about Marvel, it just completely changed as a show. Yep. As you would expect it to do. For the better? Question mark? For the yep. different. That Actually, works. its ratings went up quite a bit after those first three seasons. They went to hell, fought in a... Actually, they fought in the Matrix, funny enough. Huh. That is funny, given what our topic for this episode is, which no one knows because they don't read the title of our episodes, do they? I don't make the rules, but they sure as hell follow it. Yep. So, if you were listening... I'm pretty sure I made that rule, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Anyways, what are we talking about this week? Yeah, so if you have been following the rules and still haven't looked at the title, we're talking about the Matrix. Which is... Cool. <laughs> nice. All right. Episode done. The movie is cool. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't watch a different Keanu Reeves movie? Whoa. <laughs> no, that was the no. same one. Yeah. That... <laughs> but no, so, uh, yeah, Matrix. Sci-fi movie made several years ago now. 1999. 1999. Over 20 years ago. Yes. <laughs> and the movie's premise may play some tricks on your mind. I don't know. But, so look, to, to, let's just give the bare bones of what the plot yeah. is so I can start talking about this. So yeah, so bare bones. Um, jumping ahead in the plot a little bit just so you can have a little bit of uh, more background to the whole story. There's a war between the humans and the artificial intelligence they created. Artificial intelligence came up with like a new robot life form, and they essentially enslaved the human race and turned them into batteries to power their machine. Now, to be fair, this is before the movie. Yes. Yes. Before the movie. The movie takes place after all of that happens, but you learn that all happens because of things. Yes. And everything makes sense. It will. And then we meet Thomas Anderson. He's at a computer. He he wakes up at a computer. I forgot his name was Thomas Anderson. I, I just I just remembered his last name. Yeah, that was Mr. Anderson. But... I, that was one of those things where when I was rewatching the movie, because I've seen it periodically over the course of my life, and I definitely remember watching that and, like, remembering Anderson, and, like, it starts off, and I'm like, I want to say it's Thomas Anderson, but that can't be right. That name sounds so fucking wrong. And then the first time someone addresses him by his full name, they're like, all right, Thomas Anderson. I'm like, what the fuck? It actually is Thomas Anderson. They said it. It didn't sound right. I completely... like, That's not right. His name is the one Anderson. Yeah. I just completely forgot that his name wasn't Neo. <laughs> Neo is his hacker name. Yes. Because this movie came out in 1999 when hacker names were all the rage. Yeah. So his name was definitely probably Elite 2. So it was probably like N0. Or it was like N30. Yeah, N30. So he wakes up to a weird message talking to him on his computer screen. And he's like, whoa, this is weird. This is both a lot in this movie. <laughs> but then he gets a knock at his door. Someone, a uh, client coming to get some uh, computer software or something. From him. <laughs> now, this scene is one of my favorite ones because I forgot how heavy handed 
a lot of like the foreshadowing was this yes. act. Because <laughs> it's like, oh man, you really are my savior, my own personal Jesus Christ. They like <laughs> Dude, you need to unplug. They lean really fucking hard into the Jesus metaphors before he's revealed as yeah. the one. Then he becomes the one and they're like, oh, you remember that Jesus metaphor we were hinting at earlier? Just like fucking hammering it home now. He is Jesus Christ of this world. Yeah. So the first thing that kicks off all of Neo's journey is the message on the screen. And before it disappears, the mysterious broadcaster tells him to follow the white rabbit. Whatever that means. And there's a lot of Alice in Wonderland metaphors from this point on. Yeah, so that's because the character who was transmitting those messages is also just a huge fan of Alice in Wonderland. Nothing more. Nothing less. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's her character. Now, now, Matt, I do want to brush over one thing, because you did skip over something, and that is the actual amazing opening scene of this movie. Yes. With mm. Trinity doing the, the whole conversation oh, yeah. with the agent show up, and then she's running the cops. That's... They, the This movie opens up really strong, and and it might be getting ahead of it, but I feel, in this movie particularly, a lot of the special effects actually still hold up, and oh, you yeah. can see... Um, uh, so not, not all of them, okay. but a lot of them hold so, up compared to the rest of the series. Yes, that's what I was going to say. The first movie... The special effects hold up surprisingly fucking well. The next two, it looks like fucking claymation for some fucking scenes. Yeah. So yeah, they they kind of went too heavy into the CG, which a lot of franchises end up doing around this yeah. time. Where mm-hmm. a lot of movies in the nineties, uh, especially up to like the early two thousands, they used CG as more of a way to cover up some of the imperfections yes. of practical whereas then afterwards, like, well, fuck, it's just cheaper to do the whole thing in the computer, and it, then it just. It's one of those kind of marks of the time where you can kind of recognize a movie coming from this genre of, like, 2000 to 2005 by, like, overusage of really bad CGI. Same way, like, you can notice a lot of movies are from, like, 2010-ish if they try and use 3D in really overhanded ways where they'll, like, throw something at the camera and it'll, like, focus on it for half a second just coming out of the screen and then go back in. That's because 3D was a new fucking thing, and they're like, let's just use this all the time. Yeah. Exact same fucking thing with this series, where CGI was a relatively new thing, and they just kind of started doing it all the fucking time. Uh, also, a few other fun things on that topic of, like, movies just kind of doing things. Matrix is obviously, like, a very influential movie for a lot of things that happen, to the point, like, I was hearing things in the movie, like, at the, for example, uh, the there's two sound beats that we get. The first one is when he finally out of the Matrix, he's walking with Morpheus in the city, and it's the woman in red dress. The song yeah. playing is like, isn't that the song of, like, every goddamn trailer from, like, 2002 to 2005? Like, that plays in the background? Yeah. Well, if you... Before to, the wah became the thing. If you want to talk about influential aspects of this movie, the fact that we fucking call slow motion in most movies bullet time is 100% because of this movie. This movie is what made slow motion a thing that people thought, this is cool, I'm gonna put it in every movie that comes yeah, after Yeah, like, they call it what you want, like, bullet time, matrix move, matrix shot... Anytime they go super slow motion, it's fucking from this movie. This yeah, is what yeah. inspired it. Because being the action sci-fi movie it is, there's plenty of action sequences. And the action, the action is on point, I've got to say. It is cheesy, admittedly, at points, but still top quality. Once again, a trademark of the first movie, not so much the next Yeah. Two. Now, there is one other thing I want to kind of talk about at the opening of this movie. Yeah. So, when Trinity is running from the agents... And they make a very clear thing. It's like, you run from agents. And she jumps through the window. And that, this is actually a really cool shot where she hits the ground. And, like, she's looking yeah. at the window with the gun. I'm like, that's really cool. 
But what's she going to do if the agent comes through the window? She's not going to shoot him. We already know that doesn't work. They've specified that. And even later on, it's like, if you see an agent, you run. So what was she hoping for? She should have just kept going. Well, she even knows that. Because yeah, she as she's pointing the guns at the window, she keeps saying to herself, just get up and run. Just get up and run. Just get up and run. Because she knows she shouldn't be sitting there waiting. She just has to fucking go because there's no point in waiting. Yeah, like, at the time, it's like, oh, really cool shot. And then knowing what happens later on in the movie and how things work with these agents, like, what the fuck was she doing? She clearly knows this is not how this works. Yeah. So anyways, jumping back to the part of the movie that we were at, he's told to follow the white rabbit, and what happens as a part of that, Matthew? Uh, so yeah, clients come to the door, pick up the software that they commissioned from them. Hacker code, we can safely assume. And, uh, yeah. The dudes who show up at the door, they're like, dude, you look stressed. You sound like you're freaking out. Come to the club with us and unwind. He's like, oh, Unplug. no. Unplug. Hey, Unplug, Jesus, come yeah. drink water and turn it into wine with us. And so, of also, course... Also, this guy doesn't seem that smart. What kind of, a, like, hacker code was he buying? I don't know. I don't even know if this guy... Like, this guy doesn't seem like the type of guy that knows his way around a 90s computer. For all we know, it was just a bunch of movies. <laughs> just a bunch of... There's a good chance it actually was a bunch yeah. of movies. But, of course, Mr. Anderson is like, oh, no, no, I, I really shouldn't. But then he looks at the girl's shoulder that's with the dude, and there's a tattoo of a white rabbit. And he's like, yeah, I'll go. Uh, counterpoint. What if it's not movies? What if it's just a bunch of fucking, like, because it's 1999, just a bunch of Japanese anime, which Mio handstakingly <laughs> subs over for the guy? <laughs> Which is just a weeb who knows Japanese. Which is funny, because they're, they're also going over all this stuff, because later on when Anderson gets arrested by... Uh, Agent Smith and the rest. He's talking about you have a long rap sheet, and it's like, is it just is it just legally downloading movies and torrenting them? Is that what he's getting arrested for? Yep. <laughs> is this what's gonna play away for years? He's the reason we got ads later telling us not to download cars. It's because of Neo. It's because of the Matrix. That if you, uh, I'm not kidding. Go uh, just going back and thinking about it and looking at it as he's just illegally downloaded movies and we're selling them to people in his neighborhood changes the aspect of this movie a lot. <laughs> Really kind of downgrades the declaration of him being people's personal Jesus Christ. Well, it's because we don't really get anything interesting to imply like he did like any crazy hacker stuff. No. So like, imagine his thought process of, whoa, the world's greatest hacker Morpheus wants me. Does he just really, really want like a copy of like the old Flintstones movies or cartoons? (laughs) Yeah. Does he want season three of Doctor Who? I mean, I can get it for him, but but there's other people. Why can't he do it? And if he's just wanting, if he just wants movies, why is he being branded a terrorist by these agents? <laughs> God only knows. But yeah, at the club, he is. Uh, he meets Trinity, uh, someone else who's immediately. Well, her name Trinity is recognized by Neo instantly as another famous hacker. She did that Pentagon job a couple years ago, or a Department of Defense job. Which was apparently impressive. Not as impressive as downloading all Peaky Blinders, but... Of course. In 1999, that actually would be quite impressive. (laughs) Keep in mind, Peaky Blinders already came out in this timeline. Yeah. Then we get the name drop that Neo knows Morpheus, whoever Morpheus is. To be fair, I don't... It was earlier this week that I watched it, but I don't think they actually say Morpheus at this point. He just asks what she's doing there, and she just very, like, chalantly plays the pronoun game, where she's like, you know you've been looking for him, he's looking for you too, and it's not until later that we actually hear the name Morpheus. Yeah. Now, uh, something else I kind of want to mention here that's kind of cool. So, no big twist, we know he's in the Matrix, he gets pulled out of the Matrix. Mm -hmm. 
But I think uh, a lot of people didn't notice this, but the fact that every single side of the Matrix, anything filmed there, they put a green tint over the film. So it, whenever it's in the Matrix, it's always got that green glow to it. But whenever it's in the real world, it's gone. Yeah, to the point mm. where the only time you actually see the color green while in the real world is when you look at the screens with the cascading random symbols with the green glow in them. That's the only time you see green in the real world. Yeah. Hmm, I didn't notice that detail. Which gets me to my other question. The whole idea of green text, that's not something that was before this, was it? Because I'm trying to think, because was it like most code stuff just white on black? I feel like it was, because it would have had to have been... Actually, no, it Because might... de- definitely that, like, down, like, the raindrop, like, code thing that we see in the Matrix, that is from the Matrix, yeah. purely. I think Early the... computers might have actually I done... I think they gr- did use the green. Green, just because of the fact that in order to make white, you actually have to use all the different colors, so you have to have cells that produce all three different colors, where if you're just producing green, you just need a light that produces green. So, early computers probably did use just green on black instead. Yeah, because in my mind, like, it's like, well, it was white and black, but... I, I never, like, actually used, like, an original computer or something like that, so at some point it might have been, but yeah, I was, like, like, is, was Matrix the one that, like, made us associate green with computers? Well, hey. If you look back at, like, even military movies, the older military equipment, sonars and things, it's always a black screen with the green digital layout. Oh, that's fair. Probably didn't help that we associate green with computers, though. Yeah. So anyways, we find out that the entire universe is... Or the world that Neo knows as the real world is actually the Matrix, which is a computer program run by the machines to keep humans docile so that they can keep them under their command uh, for various bullshit reasons that I'm sure we'll get into. <laughs> Living in blissful ignorance, as one character says. Um, and so they learn that several humans have managed to escape and have created a real human resistance to fight against the machines. Create their own world. The thing I found funny while kind of watching this is, as Matt said, it's a little bit of a, like, mind-bending prospect. And a lot of people perhaps watching it in 1999 might have had a hard time wrapping their mind around a completely digital world that you didn't actually live in and you only saw through, or you believed you lived in. Um, I think the more unbelievable part of this movie, watching it in 2020, is less the idea of living in a digital world that's completely disconnected from the real world. And more the idea of how many fucking landlines are in that movie. Every door you open up, there's a landline on the other side yeah. that you use to leave the Matrix. Well, to be fair, in 1999, cell phones were around, but they didn't reach the popularity until, like... Really, I think it was probably, what, the Razor? The Razor phone, that's when yeah. everyone had a cell phone. I just... I like the idea of showing this movie to a kid nowadays, and maybe them grasping the idea of, like, the phones inside rooms that people used to disconnect from the Matrix... But I really want to see how they'd interpret the payphones that are in random scenes. Like, why is there just a phone out in the open? I don't understand. <laughs> so at this point, this is where uh, we kind of get like some more of that heavy-handed foreshadowing because Neo ends up waking up late for work. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the part where he's talking to his boss. Like, you're going to have to make a choice, Mr. Anderson. You hate authority, blah, blah, blah. Well, he even gets even more heavy-handed where he's talking about the problem with you, Neo is you think you're special. You think you're the most important person in the world. You're nobody, and you have to make that exception, uh, accept that within yourself and get back to work and start being the nobody yeah. that you are. You can show up on time at your desk as you're supposed to and do the job you're supposed to, or you can leave. 
Yeah. Well, don't come in tomorrow. And, and, or, yeah, don't ever come back. But the part I like about this, too, is like, because this is where we first get his name is Thomas Anderson. And when he gives him the FedEx phone, it rings as soon as it comes out. And he start, this is where we first get the mention of Morpheus and the talking. And the agents are coming for him. Yeah. But the thing I love about this is because watching the scene, I, I played the Matrix games a lot. Because they're actually really fun. And the only thing actually, I could ever imagine. I, I, I do want to bring this up since I did just watch the first Matrix last night. Mm-hmm. For the first time? Not for the first time. Okay, good. <laughs> but, um, uh, No. Neo's first meeting with Trinity is when you first hear the name Morpheus, and it is Neo saying it to Trinity. So somehow he heard the name before. Oh, fair enough. And then when he gets the phone from the FedEx package, the voice is like, hello, do you know who I am or whatever? And Neo's like, Morpheus. Yes, I do remember him knowing it's Morpheus before Morpheus introduces himself. I didn't remember Morpheus coming up in that first conversation with Trinity. That detail... The fact that he already knew Morpheus's name before ever learning it in the movie confused me for the entirety of the first movie until I refreshed myself on the plot of the second and the third movie. Then I'm like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, because you get the feeling that all of the humans who kind of come in to take Neo out of the Matrix periodically pop into the Matrix and live their lives as notorious hackers inside the Matrix is essentially how they're branded to the mm-hmm. general populace. Yeah, so uh, he gets on the phone with Morpheus. Morpheus alerts him to the fact that the agents are coming to arrest him because that he's wanted for something because he's special. Downloading movies illegally. Yes. Yeah. And so he's following Morpheus's instructions, and Morpheus is somehow managing to get him unnoticed by everyone except for that one very confused guy at the photocopier uh, to safety. <laughs> Yeah, and, and what I was saying earlier was I played the game, and I, I don't think, like, it's a good scene, but I don't think I can watch it properly anymore, because when playing the game, you have to do the sneaking away part, yeah. and because it's, like, an old, like, you know, 2000s game, Neil really just fucking crab walks through the office, like, <laughs> wiggling his arms, and that's all I can think of, and it's like, you need to get to the end of the office, and just sort of, like, wiggling down there. I mean, that's kind of what he does in the movie, <laughs> too. pretty spectacular, though. <laughs> but yeah, so Morpheus is like, okay, you're gonna have to get to the fire escape, you're gonna have to walk out the window here, and walk along the window ledge high up up in this building off of the road and uh, Neo's like uh, I can't do this Jesus and Morpheus is like okay well it's either that or you're going to get arrested by the agents yeah there's two ways out of this building it's with them or it's taking this window cleaning apparatus up to the roof by climbing across the ledge I would have took the agents too honestly oh yeah yeah because uh, Mr. Anderson like smart person starts climbing and he's like oh Jesus I can't do this this is crazy. And he just walks in and gets arrested. Yeah. Which leads to what is quite possibly the most horrifying scene yeah. in this entire one of, series. One of the two disturbing scenes. Well, that's the thing. Like, uh, Matrix also does a lot of homages to like other things that are in the sci-fi realm. Yeah. A lot of like, you know, uh, do uh, Android Dream of Lip for Sheep. Uh, there's also a lot of the uh, Ghost in the Shell uh, references and stuff like that. Uh, this scene in particular is... I need to scream, but I do not have a mouth. Yeah, which is a story about a robot that keeps three people alive constantly just to torture them, and yep. they can't do anything. Yeah, uh, but I completely forgot that this actually happened. So I, I could never forget. I saw it, this when I was quite young, and it traumatized yeah, me. When it happened, I cringed. I was revolted. Oh. That fucking line of, uh, "You could take this," and he gives the agent the finger. How would I give you the finger? And you, you give, give me my, my phone. phone call. Which, <laughs> even though I know it was from the TV, I was expecting, how would I give you a flipper? And I, 
Still Mr. love Mr. Smith's very calm and smooth retaliation of, well, what good would a phone call do if you can't talk? Oh, but let's say, like, holy shit, Hugo Weaving is amazing in this yeah. movie. He's and all, fucking spectacular. All three, he is definitely the shining light of the Matrix series. Yes. Mm-hmm. He carries the later two movies on his broad, strong shoulders. <laughs> definitely the best character. But yeah, after that, Neo's mouth suddenly seals shut like he has no mouth whatsoever. And then they implant this very disgusting, worm-like bug. bug yeah. into his Yeah, it's bug. like a tracking bug in computers, but also like a giant octopus bug in my nightmares. Yeah, and you'd think something like that, maybe push it in through uh, like an orifice that's already there. Like a, I mean, the belly button's an orifice. Like a nostril or something. No, the belly button. Yeah, yeah. The belly button is 100% an orifice. It yeah. is, yeah, yeah. That's how we got our nutrients when we were inside the womb. Yeah, but or our bugs. Which is weird now that I think about it, because why do any of the humans in the Matrix have a belly button when they were never in the womb because they're genetically cloned by the robots to create new humans? So why do they have belly buttons? Clones don't have belly buttons. I'm trying to think of all the like the real world stuff. If we saw any belly buttons on any of the characters. No. I didn't think of this until now, so I was not looking for belly buttons. I don't think so. Well, I'm not going to go rewatch it, so no. if you're listening to this, send us in an email or comment to confirm if there was belly buttons on characters. Yes, please. In the real world specifically, not in the Matrix. Please watch through the real world scenes in intricate detail to see if you ever see Neo's belly button. I mean, honestly, you probably only need to watch the Xanagan rave moments. Yes. But at the same time, a there's also naturally born people in there. Yeah, naturally born humans. So you have to also not just see their belly button, but also their, like, sockets. Yeah, you have to see the arm sockets or the neck sockets, as well as belly button. If you see one character who has both of those, let us know so we can write a letter to the Wachowskis and tell them that they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets bugged, and then he wakes up back in his place. And he's like, oh, that was a weird dream. Yeah, and this is pretty much... Just the end of, like, the hero's journey, like, choosing adventure type of scenario. Because he ends up getting picked up by them. They go to this room with a chair, pretty much. We see Morpheus for the first time, played by Lawrence Fishburne. Fun fact, he, uh, Lawrence Fishburne was actually not the first choice to play this role. I believe Russell Crowe and I think it was Samuel L. Jackson both turned down the role. Yeah. There was, and I think yeah. Gary Oldman was also in the running. There was another person who turned down the role, because I was also looking into this. I forget who the third person was. But yeah, Samuel L. Jackson and Russell Crowe were both choices before Lawrence Fishburne. But yeah. they both just didn't mm-hmm. want to be a part of that role. Well, it's also another fun thing where uh, Keanu Reeves wasn't the first choice for Neo either. It was Will Smith. Yeah. So just imagine the Matrix series, but with Will Smith. Imagine it swapped with Russell Crowe as Morpheus and Will Smith as the one. <laughs> I could get behind that. Yeah. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne is great. Russell Crowe, I think, also fits the role pretty well. Yeah. I'm fine with Morgan Freeman not getting it, as much as I like him. Oh, that's the other person who was considered, was Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, I think, would have been uh, a better architect at the end. Yes. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I think Will Smith would have been a really good the one, except for the fact that this is the movie where he was more of a hip-hop character and less of an action hero that he became in later years. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so he's given the choice to continue his dream or wake up. The classic thing, meme doll hell. The uh, iconic red pill pill or blue pill moment. But I I have some questions about these pills. First off, where did they get these pills? So, because they say it's a trace program, is one of them. uh, So, on that note, um, 
before I start addressing where they get it, one thing I do like about this is the way that any of the people who kind of travel between the two worlds refer to members of the uh, Matrix. There's essentially three classifications they can have. They can be programs, which are just the robots that exist within the Matrix. And then everyone else is either a red pill or a blue pill in that they have chosen to leave the Matrix or are still consciously a part of the Matrix, whether they've made a concrete decision or not. Uh, because it has a tracer in it, I assume it's not something they physically made or acquired in the Matrix, but more so used their special hacking skills from one of the terminals outside the Matrix mm -hmm. to manifest these pills. Because the blue and then pill, they probably just load them in like they yeah. do with their gear. Yeah, the I blue imagine. pill is probably just like a placebo, essentially, and the red pill. Well, no, because it, it kind of it's kind of like has an actual drug effect because they apparently hazes their mind to the way that they don't know if it was real or not. They're all indirect. Yeah, fair. They wake up and think it was all a dream. Yeah. And I imagine the main purpose of that tracer is well, one to actually wake them up in the matrix. Or from well, the it's to start and, the wake-up process, but also then, to locate them. Yeah, to yeah. locate them. Because, because as we find out... That facility is freaking enormous. Yeah. Yes. There's lots of it. But back on the pills, what happens if they take both pills? So or what happens if you take the blue pills? Like, oh, fuck, no, I, meant, I want this one instead, actually. Like, a person who's really indecisive, like, accidentally takes both pills. I think if you take both pills, you still wake up... Um, but you don't so, have any idea what's going on. Yeah, you wake I, up... I, I really think even when you do wake up, you don't know what the fuck's going on. Uh, that being said... I've always been of the mind that the red pill itself is mostly just a tracker. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually cause any of the wake-up process. It's more so the act of taking the red pill is you making the conscious decision to go deeper and to awaken yourself to the greater world, which is what causes your body to wake up. Same way mm -hmm. where if you're in a dream and you realize you're in a dream, you can kind of force yourself to wake up by mentally making the decision to wake up. So I assume it's a lot the same thing where the act of taking the red pill is just your body's way of like consciously deciding to wake up. And that manifests in the fashion of waking you up in the real world. And, which is and, why. Uh, it's not just, as we learn, if you want to go through some of the extended stuff too. This isn't the only way to get out of the Matrix. Yes. In the Animatrix, there's two characters specifically. One actually fully gets out of the Matrix on their own, no pills. And another character almost gets out of the Matrix through pure physical ability. Yeah. Uh... There's the, I believe the term they use is self-substantiation, is the term for someone who manages to leave the Matrix through sheer force of will. One character manages to do it. I don't know if it's specifically in the Animatrix or in one of the other short stories that the... Uh, which yeah, it's the, the character that's in the later movies, he is in the Animatrix. Okay. Uh, but he specifically gets out by believing in Neo so much and believing in the real world that he kills himself and wakes up in the real world. Which is kind of fucking dark, but also... Well, uh, I believe how they explain it is by throwing himself off the building before he figure out the adrenaline is what essentially jolted his body awake in the real world. Kind of like in a dream where just before you hit the ground, you wake up. Yeah. It was a similar effect. Yeah. The other guy, the track runner, though, just, he runs so good, he almost outran the Matrix is essentially what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but essentially, the other kid, like, makes the decision where, like, if the Matrix isn't actually the Matrix and this is the real world... I'll fucking die. And so he, like, makes that decision of, like, I'm either going to die or get out of the Matrix. We're going to see which way this penny falls together. <laughs> to be fair, there's, there's a few questionable things about the Matrix. Uh, jumping ahead a little bit. When they walk into the uh, area to save Morpheus at the end, yeah. just their getup is like, oh, I don't know if that look aged well. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of leather in this mo these movies that, like, uh, not really a thing anymore. Well, looked cool at the time, sure. But now... Just getting school shooter vibes. Yeah. 
just black trench coats, black glasses, and a duffel bag full of guns and bombs. <laughs> now, uh, there's another moment here when Neo's getting the wake up uh, when he's sitting in the chair and they're trying to do the trace aspect to get him. That I, I was a bit confused by because I never thought much of it because oh, that's a pretty cool scene. But with the mirror, the mirror is weird. I'll be so, honest. So the mirror fixes itself and he touches it and it gets on his hands and then it starts absorbing him. Yeah, or yeah. encasing him. But is this something everyone else can see? I think so. Because here's the thing. If they all can see it, they're not reacting to it. And does this need to happen to him to get pulled out? Or did no one just fucking warn him about the mirror and they're all assholes? I, th- I think just no one warned him about it. And hey, they- Neo, don't touch that fucking mirror. I think they all knew that something like that had to happen yeah. to like jumpstart the whole waking up process. But the thing, they, they, he almost dies because of it. They even say it's like we're losing him. We need to hurry this up. Mm. You think they would have had some like maybe precautions in place? Yeah, but also part of that was because Morpheus even says that they have a rule. They don't wake up people above the age in, or b- b- above uh, a certain age. And, and then in other sources, you find out it's eleven. So yeah, if they get so above Neo 11, was well above eleven. Yeah. so it was a lot harder to wake him up. Um. I I interpreted it as that's, that exact thing doesn't happen every time, because otherwise they probably just wouldn't have a mirror in the room. <laughs> but I it, mean, even if it happens some of the time, you think you would just remove the mirror. You're like, okay, yeah. guys, I know it's funny and all, but we gotta stop putting the mirror in the room when we wake these guys up. I Once again, I assume it's in the same vein of once the characters kind of made the decision to wake up, it's not necessarily that specific aspect, but it's some sort of like the walls or the come crashing down and like the reality of the matrix yeah, like, starts to break a little bit and it manifests itself because yeah, like weird at that way. moment he's kind of accepting that this is all fake and then he looks well, at not himself quite because well, uh, at this point he has no idea that he's in a simulation they don't yeah. even say he's in a simulation but he just knows there's a deeper there's, reality to there's be a deeper reality and he notices a little flicker with the mirror the mirror's broken, he touches it, and his hand starts to go into it. Well, to be fair, the mirror fixes itself before he even fucking touches it. No, the mirror's broken, and then he touches it, it ripples, and then it's fixed. No, it no, starts no, it rippling in, it, it completely itself. fixes, oh. then he touches it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then he wakes up, and we find out that the real world just kind of fucking sucks, to be honest. And now here's my other fun thing to think about. So we know what they put a trace program on him to find him, yeah. to get to him. But what if they were nowhere near where he was when he woke up? Because they explain all the times there's multiple farms. Yeah, they're far apart. How like is there's no guarantee that they knew this is the exact farm he's in? Because I can I can say okay they knew he was in, if they knew he was in a specific farm they trace him to this specific spot to pick him up. But what if he was like halfway across the planet? I kind of get the feeling they weren't in the right spot for him because of the fact that like we kind of see him wake up, pull the tubes out of himself, and then essentially get flushed down the toilet, and they pick him up as he gets dropped out the bottom of the chute. Like, I kind of get the feeling the intended plan is to be there when he first wakes up and help him come to terms with it so he doesn't have to go through that super traumatic experience. And they were just like, oh, fuck, he's at the far one. <laughs> and they race there and get there just in time to find him lying in a heap on the ground having fallen out of the chute. Because in case you forgot, he falls out into a pool of water and sinks. Yeah, yeah, and, and then we the ship goes floating over top. We don't afterwards. really know how long he was underwater. Well, yeah. they also explain to you, it's like he's his muscles are atrophied, so he has no muscles. Yeah, it's like he wakes up. He's like, "Why do my eyes hurt?" It's like because you've never used them before. Which also raises the other question: They don't really do a good thing of the passing of time for this movie, but they explain like, "Okay, you have never used your eyes before. Your eye, your muscles are atrophied, so we have to rebuild them." Fucking, how long was this man in recovery? 
fairly long time, because his hair doesn't start regrowing. He's completely bald when he comes out of the capsule in the Matrix. Yeah, he literally has no hair on his body, and then by the end he has, like, a brush cut, so... Probably at least, like, a month of recovery, I would guess. And they never took him back to Xanarkin in that whole time. Nope. To the point where he's still asking about Xanarkin at the end of the movie. Z- Zion. Xanarkin's the one from Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah. Zion. Same difference. <laughs> yeah. Essentially the same fucking thing. Uh, yeah. To the point where, like, it gets weird enough with the timeline where in the second movie they go to Zion. And they make, like, a big deal of, like, this is the first time they're showing us Zion. But Neo's been there before, but they, like, don't address it in the first movie at all. And I, they start walking in, and I, I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is the first time Neo's been to Zion. And he's just like, oh, hey, guys, I've seen y'all before. I'm like, when the fuck were you in Zion? As far as I can tell, these movies are, like, a week apart, maybe. Well, from what it sounds like, the first movie, it's, like, a couple of months between one and two. And then two and three are back-to-back. Yeah. Two and two are- the same way they were filmed. Yeah. So, anyways, Neo wakes up. Realize the world sucks, but also this is where we kind of get into that whole backstory we were told beforehand. War between humans and robots. Humans are now batteries, which is a bullshit idea that sucks and no one likes. And then Morpheus informs us of the one. Somehow there's an individual who every once in a while comes around with abilities that far surpass anyone who is awake and can go into the major. To be fair, he doesn't beat around the bush. He's just fucking, you're the one, do the thing. It's also not even quite that explanation. Essentially, there was a guy a hundred years ago who Mm. broke all the rules of the Matrix and then died, and we've been prophesizing his reincarnation ever since then. You're that guy. Congratulations, you get to be that guy now. You're the guy that do the thing. Yeah. Do the thing when you save the world. Because, like, uh, the Matrix, of course, simulation has all the rules, like gravity and such, as explained, but the one has the ability to just... Ignore all of that, essentially. Yeah, because most people that are aware of the Matrix can bend the rules, but breaking it is a very rare thing. But the one can just kind of say fuck it to the rules. Yeah. The one straight up ignores the rules. It's like, yeah. I just do my own thing. So Neil's like, uh, I don't really believe fully that I'm the one, but okay, I'll I'll join you since yeah. I'm here. And we also meet the crew, which is we have Trinity and Morpheus, who we already met. There's Cypher. He seems like a fun guy. I fully trust him. Definitely isn't from the beginning of the movie hammering over our head the fact that he is evil. Uh, and then we also have Switch and Apoc. Yeah. Yes. Who were in the car when he got the bug removed. And then we meet specifically on the ship for the first time, Mouse. Uh, which is kind of like their geeky programmer, the young guy. And then we have Tank and Dozer. Dozer. Which are the two brothers who are naturally born so they actually can enter the Matrix. And they have none of those sweet little injection ports. So we can assume they have belly buttons. Yes. Yes. This will be the main conflict we're going to have through this conversation. Speaking of which, when you're going back and rewatching and looking for people who don't have belly buttons and have the ports, if you do see a picture of Dozer with his shirt off and his belly button showing, still send me that picture just for my own personal records. That's fair. Anyways, <laughs> this leads to one of the weirder scenes, which is Neo wakes up and Tank kind of walks into his room and starts talking about, like the expectations for Neo as the one and he has the really excited whisper where he keeps like building to a yell and then realizing <laughs> he's not allowed to yell so he cuts himself back down to a whisper. I had Joe yelling on the ship last week and I can't do it otherwise Trudy's gonna come here and whoop my ass. <laughs> so he keeps building to a yell dropping back to a whisper and then building back up and it's just like oh I know you want to yell so bad Tank but no you're not allowed to. <laughs> the real world's a quiet place apparently. <laughs> That's how, you gotta keep the flying octopuses away. Yeah. 
In fact, I think, oh no, it's, uh, I was thinking because the first time we get a hint of the octopus things, it's like everyone's going to be quiet, but it's actually Neo and Trinity talking. Yeah, for some reason, I'm thinking it was Tank just getting really excited and that everyone gets like, fucking Tank, shut up! Uh, Three people have died because of you this way. I do fucking love Tank, though. He is pretty fucking great. Well, no, then we get the whole training sequence, and the training sequence is more just downloading information to their brain. Because yeah. that's the thing they can do. Yeah. Well, Neo it makes by, perfect sense oh, yeah. to think about it. Neo lying in one of the computer chairs that we see the Muse repeatedly throughout the rest of the movies, and just, like, violently shaking as he gets... Yeah, it's like... The part, the part I like, those. it's probably everyone's favorite line, it's like, I know Kung Fu. Yeah, I know Kung Fu is a fantastic line. Or, or just, like, it's just those little fun things, like the fact that, you know, Morpheus and Neo are in, like, the training protocol fighting, and then all of a sudden you see Mouse running into the room, it's like, Morpheus is fucking Neo! Uh, but just, I, that, that training scene, though, just always reminds me of the silly the silly spoof video of If the Matrix Ran on Windows. It's like, your free trial of Kung Fu has expired. And, and, like, there's actually a lot of cool things in this fight, even though the fight's pretty doofy. Like, the things like, he's like, oh, do you think I won because I'm stronger than you or faster than you? It doesn't really matter because we're the same with this whole thing. Yeah. You think that's air you're breathing? Like, holy fuck, he's right! That one line is the one that blows my mind every time I watch yeah. it. Of Neo on his knees, panting, like, trying to catch his breath because he just got the shit kicked out of him by Morpheus. And Morpheus leans over and goes, you think that's air you're breathing? It's just like, oh my god! It's like freaking virtual reality. But that's all, like, really, that's all Morpheus had to say to explain everything to him, I think. Like, he didn't have to go through this whole spiel about everything. He's like, have him in there, keep the shit of it, say, you think that's air you're breathing? Like, oh, that's right, everything's made up. I don't have to breathe. The thing is, like, Neo gets taught this lesson repeatedly over the course of this movie too like the very first one is you think that's air you're breathing and he's like oh right there is like there's not air that i'm breathing i'm it's all computer it's all what i think yeah and then later on he goes to meet the oracle and is trying to understand how to use his magical powers and the little kids bending spoons and he's like you have to remember there is no spoon and he is like whoa (laughs) there is no spoon it's just like fuck Neo, how many times does it take you being told that things don't exist there's no spoon where did you get the spoon at (laughs) whoa if there's no spoon, what am I bending? <laughs> yeah, the Oracle. Morpheus takes him to the Oracle because apparently it's time for him to get his prophecy or whatever. A weird old lady who tells the future. She bakes cookies. She does bake cookies. Now, there's an important scene I want to discuss in depth before we get to this point. Yeah. Sure. So, there's a scene where Neo is talking to Cypher, and he's like, oh, do you just look at the code? And Cypher explains, which I think is still reasonable to this day, oh, we can't show the actual Matrix on these screens because there's too much data. Yeah. It's just the code. Fucking deal with it. But I can see the code and he starts just talking brunette like, Yeah, I just learned and to read then, it. Redhead, brunette, blonde. Yeah, and then Cypher goes on to explain it's like, oh, you know, if you see an agent run, sorry, Morpheus got into this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Why don't I take the blue pill? And then, of course, Neo's like, oh, okay, so you're that kind of guy on the shit. Well, I'm just going to fix the drink and have a good night, buddy. And then we immediately go to a scene where he's having dinner with Agent Smith and he's like, okay, I'm going to betray them. You're going to put me back in. I'll get you Morpheus, so you get the codes. Everything's good. How the fuck did he do this? Well, we know that this relationship was going on before this because of the fact that that first scene you mentioned with Trinity uh, running away from the agents at the very beginning, uh, it doesn't start with scenes of Trinity. It starts with a black screen and dialogue between Trinity and at that point an unknown male voice, but you can pretty easily figure out that it's Cypher that she's talking to. Cypher's watching over Neo at the very beginning, and Trinity comes in and says, I'm taking over your shift. He's like, you're not scheduled to do that. And she's like, I'm going to do it anyways. And he's like, oh, you really love this guy, eh? Whatever. Anyways, uh, 
she runs away, almost gets caught by the agents and killed. Um, they get away, but then the agents, two of them are talking to each other, Smith and one of the other ones. And, like, she got away. And Smith's like, but this proves that her imposter is telling us the truth. Yeah, We need to track down Mm -hmm. this Mr. Anderson. Um, So that is kind of how we know that Cypher's already been feeding them information at this point. So I I have no idea how the relationship fucking started. But but I see what you're getting at, because... In order to get into the Matrix, you need someone to plug you in. Oh, and, and then and you also need someone to in. plug out afterwards. And people can watch the screen and see exactly yeah. what the fuck and is whenever, happening. Whenever a group of people are in the Matrix, there's always people monitoring them to see exactly yeah, what's going on. Watching the screen. And yeah, you could probably make the argument of like, oh, well, maybe other stuff was going on, so you wouldn't be able to watch all of them. But I'm pretty sure they're going to fucking know when there's an agent standing next to one of their people yeah. for a prolonged amount of time, and then he comes back, just, hmm, had some tasty steak. because yeah, that meeting was like... That was not a quick meeting, and no. you think one of the first things an operator would learn to read on a screen before they learn brunette or redhead is agent. They see that, and immediately the first thing they do is tell everyone in the Matrix at that time... Hey, there's an agent by Cypher, just so you guys know there's an agent with Cypher. And they see Cypher just plugged in on a table. They're like, hmm. He's just sitting there with them. What's why, happening? And then Why does like, this screen say Cypher agent and delicious steak? Why does it not say fists? Why does it only say delicious then, steak repeatedly? Like, like, why does it they're having a philosophical conversation? It's like it's like, oh, he's betraying us. Yeah, like, better just uh, yank that out right quick. Or is like, is there a vacation system here that we're supposed to believe this scene happened like long before and like it was just him on like, they don't monitor you when you're on vacation, but people take vacation to the Matrix for some reason? Or, or did he rig up some weird system in his bedroom where he can just plug himself in and he has like his phone being auto-called the entire time? I mean, I guess we could make the argument that the Matrix let him out, but still doesn't answer the how did he get in? But- like we, I, I assume he just took one of those spikes and stabbed himself in the back of the skull to get in. <laughs> the getting out is the weird part to me. Yeah. Like, I'm just imagining a scenario where, like, he's in a room by himself and he takes that, he just jabs into the back of his neck, falls down on the floor, he's just laying there like he, and no one found him. It's like, he was, it's a pure, like, fluke. It's like, okay, I'm gonna work with you guys. Like, you just wonder, like, agents! Agents! This clearly isn't their first meeting, too. Because during the meeting, Agent Smith says, like, I need you to get me the codes for Zion's mainframe. I told you. And he's I like, yeah, I that. told you. I can't do this. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because this would have to be after the Trinity scene as well. Yeah. Because they didn't know about the mole. Yeah. So this happened after Trinity had that opening scene, which is probably no more than a couple of weeks before the uh, stuff with Neo starts. Mm-hmm. Because they would probably be watching pretty quickly and want to arrest him. So it can't be too far. So there's a point where he's on the ship with them. And he had to have been able to plug himself in, have this secret meeting with uh, Agent Smith, and was able to get back out of the Matrix without anyone noticing. Fuck, how did I not notice how little fucking sense that meeting makes? So the only reasonable thing I can conclude, or the only reasonable explanation I can come up with, is that when everyone else was sleeping, Cypher left the ship and found some robot to talk to that didn't straight up kill him. What I so how I assume the relationship works out is because we do see Neo walk up to Cipher while he's the one monitoring the screens. So clearly he does have some shifts where he's the one monitoring yeah. and oh, no yeah, one true. else is there. And, and also, when Neo walks up, he turns off all of the screens except the ones just displaying the Matrix code. True. So what I suspect happened is he managed to get shifts, or perhaps everyone has shifts, 
where they monitor the screens and keep track of what's going on inside the Matrix. While he was on these screens, he found a way to interact with the Matrix because you can already spawn in things from these computers. So he found a way to communicate with agents inside to express his intentions of betraying his friends in order to get plugged back in because he doesn't want to be a part of the real world anymore. Because he regrets Morpheus ever waking him up. I then have to assume that during one of these night shifts while no one else is in the room and it's just him, he got into one of the chairs, stabbed himself in the back of the neck with a spike, and just very luckily no one walked into the room while he was the only one in the room lying in one of the chairs. It's still fucking weird, though. It does raise the question of, is it possible to pull your own spike out while inside the Matrix? Or, like... I can only assume that, uh... I mean, who's in charge of the Matrix specifically? I guess the architect, in a sense. Like, but the agents do have some powers. Maybe they're able to, like, also create that connection back if they know where it's going. Or perhaps where the agents work on behalf of the architect, uh, for the most part... And at this point, Smith is still fully on the side of the uh, robots and the architect. Presumably, yeah, Smith had some way of creating the connection and transporting his body back into the real world. But still, yeah. like, there's so many goddamn hoops to jump there's through. so many things that are just not explained about that and just glazed over. Yeah. Fuck. That's gonna bug me if I go back and rewatch the movie. Yeah, that's always bugged me. Yeah. I've never thought about it until this moment. Yeah. This is, of course, followed by a great conversation with uh, Mouse specifically. Uh, there he starts talking about food. Yeah, I-, I love this conversation. <laughs> Where he starts talking about how... Well, so they're eating the, like, protein supplements that they have as their only food source, which has a complete source of all their vitamins that they need to live. And one of the people in the ship comments on how it tastes like Tasty Wheat. And Mouse brings up, how the fuck do we know it tastes like Tasty Wheat? It tastes like what Tasty Wheat tastes like in The Matrix... But how do the people who created the Matrix know what Tasty Wheat tastes like? Did they just make up a taste and assume that's Tasty Wheat? What if what Tasty Wheat tastes like to us is actually what burgers tasted like in the real world? It's like, yeah, he's going on like all this stuff. And it's like, and chicken. How do they even guess what chicken tastes like? Maybe that's why everything tastes like chicken. Maybe they had no idea, so they just decided to give it the taste of everything. <laughs> Most is great. Most mm. is pretty great. Which is why it sucks when he dies later. Yeah, he yeah. starts trying to, like, whore out, like, he's the digital pimp, as they explain. Yeah, because yeah, he writes one program to, like... Yeah, one of the training programs that Neo's gone, the going through, red. the lady in the red dress, Morpheus is walking him down a busy street in New York City or wherever they are, just talking about things going on, and if you ever, ever see an agent run, and uh, it's like, were you listening to me, or were you looking at that lady in the red dress? And then Neo turns around, and there's a ma- er, an agent just pointing a gun at his face. Also, here's another fun question about that. What happens if Morpheus doesn't say pause simulation? Because <laughs> he does definitely say pause simulation yeah. before. Another thing I really like about the scene that you only kind of pick up on uh, if you're looking for it. Um, and this is also a key detail of this is because this movie predates the later movies when they started using CGI for everything. To film this scene with the lady in the red, the creators of the movie went out and hired just a whole bunch of fucking twins yeah so that you could have twins dressed the exact same walking down the street all along that street as neo's walking through it so that it looks like a lazy programmer only created a few people and just duplicated them and just copied and pasted them yeah. throughout the code huh. so if you go back and watch it you see like six of the same guy wearing a sailor uniform walk past and that's because they have two twins just walking past and going around in circles and so then walking geez. past yeah. again 
really do to identify the fact that Mose is very lazy when he comes to writing his programs. The only person he put any effort into creating was the lady in red. Yeah. And you can kind of see this with a few, because he talks about a few of his programs and stuff like that. And you can no- notice, like, there's a lot of, like, errors and stuff with his programs. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, shit goes bad. Yeah, so they enter the Matrix so that Neo can finally meet the Oracle. Uh, so this one's pretty fun, but as they're leaving, Cypher then takes his phone, dials it, drops it in a trash can, and... As a kind of way for the agents to realize they're here. I do like that they, like, I feel like they could have done the Cypher thing a lot better if they would have worked a little bit harder to keep it secret, Mm -hmm. because we could have had the meeting in secret, we could have been just people typing back to each other and all that stuff. Yeah. And then the cool, like, little nod to, like, oh, Cypher's the bag, I could have been... Because after they get back, and everyone finds out, oh, the agents are there, and they're doing something, he asks Cypher for his phone, and then Cypher goes into his pocket, can't get anything, and then Trini gives the phone, and that could have been like, oh, a nice nod, but without telling it, it's like, oh, he's the traitor, and then we get the big actual reveal when he gets back on Nebuchadnezzar. Because we do get that moment where he literally asks Cypher for his phone, and Cypher goes to reach for his phone, and then just kind of like fumbles in his pockets for a couple seconds before Trinity takes out her own. So yeah, if they hadn't have been doing that type of thing, that would also resolve our fucking issue with that stake meeting, if instead of it being a meeting, they just show, like, text on a computer screen and, like, someone typing into it, and then they show Agent Smith on the other end, mm-hmm. like, talking to the computer or some shit like that. Yeah. Like, you get that idea of, there is a traitor, we don't know who it is, we don't have to have them eating steak together. Yeah, yeah. To- and you can even, uh, for the phone thing, you just slightly change it that, you hear the sound of, like, a, like you get the trash can you going up, like before, but you just hear a number getting dialed, and then the phone getting tossed in the trash can, it's like, oh, someone's signaling that they're there. But you don't see who it is that's exactly. doing the signaling until we see later on when Cypher doesn't have his phone. Yeah. So anyways, this goes real fucking bad because they try to go... Well, first I want to talk about the Oracle. Fair. Because they go, they meet the Oracle, and and first get, off, it's they get in, welcome to the building, it's him and Morpheus. And then there's and a then there's couple the different kids, kids who <laughs> are apparently people who are or candidates for being the one. Yeah, right? they have the gift is what uh, the Oracle refers now to. Now mind you, he looks around the room and there's like two kids reading... There's two kids fucking levitating blocks, and then he looks over and sees the kid with a spoon. He's like, talking to that guy. <laughs> Just bending spoons with his mind, tying them into knots. Those people levitating blocks? Fuck that. I'm gonna talk to the spoon kid. That's where Neo finally fucking gets it hammered home. The Matrix isn't real. That's how you control the Matrix. By accepting that it's not real, and then you can start controlling shit. And then there's the beautiful part of he ends up going to the kitchen to meet the Oracle. She goes on a big spiel and says, oh, and don't worry about it. He's like, what? And he knocks over the vase. Yeah, don't worry about the vase. What vase? (laughs) And that vase. And then there's this whole thing about like, oh, he's so sorry. He's like, oh, no, I I, I told you, don't worry about it. Because implying like, oh, she knows everything that's going to happen. Yeah. And then she's like, you know, it's really going to cook you noodle though. Would you have still knocked it over if I didn't say anything? And I'm going a step further. It's like, if you knew he was going to knock it over, why did you not move the vase and demonstrate this to another means? That that means she put the vase there purposely so that he would knock it over. Knowing that that's the only way that he would believe her, or is she literally just fucking with him, and that's why she puts the vase there? I, I think it's kind of her messing with him, but also it kind of shows the audience the fact that she knows what to say to get the response she needs from a person. I suppose. So, to jump a little bit ahead, and by a little bit ahead, I mean about the main point of the third movie, we get a very cool mirroring of the scene, which is when Agent Smith comes to the Oracle. So he goes corrupt in later points in the movie. Starts copying himself into essentially every other being inside the... Uh, he becomes a virus. Yeah, he becomes a virus, starts copying himself into every other being in the Matrix. He goes to the Oracle finally because he decides he has to copy himself into her so he can gain her prophetic powers. See the future, figure out how to beat Neo. But anyways, he walks in. She like makes some 
benign comment about how she knew he was going to come. And then he grabs a plate of cookies and throws them against the fucking wall. And he's like, did you see that coming? Did you know I was going to do that? She just kind of shrugs. He's like, but if you knew I was going to do that, did you bake cookies and put them just on a plate knowing that I would throw them against the wall? Was the cookie sold purposely? I would throw them against the wall. Is this a response you're looking for? And it's just like, Jesus Christ, just calm down, Hugo. It's going to be fine. I can relate to him in this scene. Yeah. I was on Agent Smith's side on that conversation. <laughs> Why did you do this if you knew this is what I was going to do? Something not right with the Oracle. Yeah, the Oracle tells Neo that, no, you're not the one. Well, it's another beautiful moment of fucking foreshadowing. Yeah, she specifically does a lot of weird things in this because she says, you have the gift, but it's like you're waiting for something. He's like, waiting for what? And she's like, waiting for another life. Yeah, I don't know. And then uh, he's like, oh, do you want me to hold your hand and do some, like, you know stuff and she's like uh mm, mm. and i'm gonna go hmm and then you're gonna say but i'm not the one and she's like i'm sorry <laughs> like she doesn't even like say like you're not the one she's like you have the gift you're waiting for something and then what do you think i'm gonna say <laughs> yeah i'm gonna say hmm, hmm, hmm. very interesting but and then you're gonna say he's like but what and she's like but you're not the one he's like no but he says but yeah, yeah. But, but she doesn't say anything right. in the sense yeah she literally says you have the one powers you're just waiting for something <laughs> And then openly says, you're waiting for your next life to activate them. Very cool foreshadowing to the fact that he's going to fucking die by the end of this well, movie. She also, the, reincarnated. The, the, she also gives yeah. a little nugget of, well, Morpheus it believes in you're the one so much that he's going to put himself in danger. And then you're going to have to choose his life or your life. Because one of you is going to die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so Neo's like, oh, I'm not the one. Okay, well, uh, I don't want to let Morpheus down, so... Uh... To be fair, he tries to tell Morpheus, but Morpheus is like, it was only for you to hear. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, did the Oracle tell Morpheus, okay, now Morpheus, there's a plan coming. You're going to get kidnapped fighting agents, and you got to make sure that no matter what, Neo doesn't tell you what I told him. Well, the weird fucking part about it is, like, he must know that he's not supposed to know, because it seems like everyone else has some pretty fucking aware, calm, common awareness of what the Oracle told yeah. other people. Trinity was taken to the Oracle, and Morpheus went to the Oracle. They all had their own little one-on-ones with the Oracle. But they all know roughly what the other was told. Like, Trinity makes reference to the fact that Morpheus was told he's going to find the one. Morpheus makes references to what Trinity was told by the Oracle. Clearly they know what mm. the others were told, but no one's allowed to know what Neo was told. <laughs> also, if Morpheus is guaranteed to find the one, and he dies immediately after this, of course Neo's got a swear like, hmm, wait a second. Yeah. But yeah, so after all that, they start going back to the telephone to get out. But then, oh no, ambush! The agents are coming. Now, now, I like the little touch here of when they're walking up the stairs. and Neo You see the cat? cat? Like, Neo's yeah. deja vu. And everyone turns and is like, what the fuck did you just say? Well, like, the best fucking part about it is he's like, deja vu. They're like, what did you see? He's like, I saw a cat walk past. And then a similar looking cat walk past again. And they were like, is it just a similar looking cat or was it the exact same fucking cat? And he's like, I don't, what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking about? That was... Cats look similar, man. I don't know. Give me a fuck. I didn't ask its name. Because in the mythos of the Matrix, that is actually something incredible. The fact that the deja vu, the, I guess, act of experiencing or the feeling of experiencing something that you just experienced is the Matrix experiencing a kind of glitch or change that something happened. It's pretty much they slightly reset it because they changed something and they have to go back a moment to repeat it. Yeah. yeah. Which, the interesting thing about this is too, 
uh, the animatrix kind of also touches on this a little bit. People that are fully ingrained in the Matrix don't notice this, which implies that if the Matrix is real and we're in it, if you've ever experienced deja vu, that means you're loosely connected to the Matrix and could wake up. I've experienced deja vu <laughs> several times. I experienced deja vu as a child, but I can't think of any time I've experienced it in like the last decade. So maybe after, I've, after you turned 11? Yeah, so maybe I've just fully accepted <laughs> the Matrix as my lord and savior. I just had a feeling of deja vu, goddammit. <laughs> what uh, did they change? So anyways, uh, shit gets real bad real quick. Also, the thing that changes all the windows are now bricks. Yeah, yep. so there's no more uh, exits to the building. The building is fully bricked over. Which is... Except the one entrance that the police and the agents get coming through. I feel like they're already in the building at this time, and they bricked it behind them to make sure no one gets out. I don't know if the main entrance was bricked. That would be weird. True. I, I, I'm trying to think of, like, in what world line, even if it is the Matrix, mm. do the normal police officer just kind of accept this? The police are kind of just, like, fucked with entirely, though. Oh, definitely. But think of it this way. You, normal police officer, walk into a building, and all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second, how'd I get in here? There's a brick over the door. <laughs> uh, that's immediately followed up by the police freaking out in the lobby while the agent's like, calm down, guys, we just need to go upstairs and grab a person. It might just happen, like, once they're past the first fucking floor. Because we never actually see the oh, front entrance after the... Yeah, they take the back room. entrance into it. Yeah. Mm. So, I don't fucking know. Anyways. Yeah, but all we know for sure is the sewer exit below the building is definitely still open. Yeah. So, Mouse ends up getting trapped and gunned down. So, he dies pretty quickly. Was it useful as this programming, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Had some pretty big guns with him, though. They uh, start crawling through the walls to get away. And Cypher gets dirt kicked all over him, so he starts coughing real bad inside the walls. And alerting the police to the fact that they're definitely inside the walls. And, and this is another thing. Like, this fire. scene, it's like, you can't help but think, like, well, Cypher's doing this on purpose. But if they would have kept in that secret a little bit longer, and it's like, oh, that's very unlucky. To, oh, fuck, he might have been doing that on purpose. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so anyways, we get to see the really unpleasant feature of the agent's ability which is they can essentially just warg into other humans bodies yeah and the police officer who discovered they're in the wall turns into an agent and starts and catching them rips like morpheus out of the wall well, no he yeah. grabs neo and he's trying to get him but then morpheus oh, yeah. goes like Whoa! yeah tackles him through the wall in order to let Morph uh, neo get away Meanwhile, Neo's thinking to himself, like, this, this is it. This is the chance where Morpheus is selling his life for me. Like, Morpheus needs to survive so the Resistance can survive, so I have to sacrifice myself so Morpheus can get away. Yeah, but and Trinity then he pulls him down and he escapes. But the thing I like about this, too, is because earlier in the movie, we see the fight between Neo and Morpheus, and Morpheus just wipes the floor with him. And then we see Morpheus, who's like, oh man, this man's unstoppable, just immediately get floored by this agent. It's like, oh, that's how strong these guys are. Yeah, um... Another fun part is this moment also leads to another moment which would be incredible if they didn't give away the cipher moment at the beginning of the movie, which is they jump through the sewers, like a cloud of smoke comes up, and we see police officers in the sewers pull out guns at them. Everyone starts running the opposite direction, except for Cypher, who dives on the ground in front of the police officers. Like seemingly to follow them, but... Yeah, you go, it looks like goes to follow the trips. And yes. Uh, and then they all get away... And then Cypher ends up calling... No, sorry. They call into the operator Dozer. So, so, and like, so they can find a place to extract. Yeah. And Cypher also calls into Dozer. And he's like, Dozer? What's, or, Cypher, what's going on? I thought you got captured. And Cypher's like, oh, there was a car oh, accident. tank, I believe. Sorry, tank. Because Dozer yeah. just runs the mechanics of the ship. Right, yes. Mm -hmm. 
Tank uh, is like, how'd you get away? I saw you were captured. And Cypher's like, oh, there's a car accident. I just barely got away. I guess I'm lucky or something like Someone that. Someone up there still likes me. Yeah, and it's just another one of those moments of like, if you didn't know he was the traitor, that would be a really cool moment of like, oh, fuck, they just let him go so that he can still do he, what he He's going to be the guy that's going to show up at the last second and save the day, giving and then, the hero the chance to win. So if all of those moments were just foreshadowing and the moment we find out Cypher's actually evil is the moment the crew finds out Cypher's evil when he pulls out the lightning gun and starts killing people... That would have been so much cooler of a like little twist mm-hmm. of foreshadowing instead of like... Because they even go so far as to have a car accident in the background when Cypher Yeah, calls. it's like they were doing things for somebody that didn't clue in that Cypher was evil already. Yeah. It's like they wrote the movie to have that be a surprise and then thought we wouldn't fit, understand if they had it as a surprise. So they went back and had that meeting scene early on to yeah, make it so, real clear what was going on. Yeah, the one scene where it sounds like Cypher might not be trustworthy is immediately followed by, oh, he is a traitor. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the fun thing here is Cypher is the first one back, of course. And then when they're getting ready to pull the others out, he lightning guns Tank and Dozer. They both go down. And then the phone's like, oh, the phone's not ringing. Let's call Tank, see what's going on. So they give him a call. And this is where... Cypher is not a smart man in any sense because he picks up the audio and drops the gun right next to the guy that he specifically missed the first time he shot yeah. at. He has wounded he goes, him but did not He kill. shoots and doesn't quite kill him just yet because he hits him in the side. He yeah. says, oh shit, and has to line up again and fire again. But do- uh, at this time, Tank's also spinning and hits the ground. And Dozer, Dozer tackles him and starts charging at him. So yeah. he kills Dozer, then the phone starts ringing, completely forgets about the fact that Tank is probably still alive. Practically gives him the gun and starts being a real idiot, pulling people's plugs. Yeah, so he ends up killing Switch and Apoc. Now, uh, we didn't mention it before when we brought Switch, but a cool thing about Switch actually was, in the original concept of uh, the Matrix, they wanted to have, because as they explained before, the one version inside the Matrix is your visual representation of yourself. And Switch was actually supposed to be male in the real world, but female in the Matrix. Yes, yeah. I do remember that detail. But I guess that was too edgy for the early, uh, the late 90s, I guess. Yeah, they didn't want to do that, so they instead just made Switch a slightly androgynous female for both aspects of it. Yeah, but that, I think that would have been actually a really cool aspect yeah. of the whole world, and hopefully we do get something like that in the future, because they are making more Matrix something after Yes, yeah. it's one of those things where there were so many like cool things they could have done about that, like have characters who, like most... I think it would have made so much more sense if Mos in the real world is like a small scrawny guy, but in the Matrix he's just like fucking Chris Evans after getting the super serum, <laughs> and Mos is just like the most jacked guy because he chooses to believe he is the hero that will save the world. <laughs> so, he's just you, know, he, you know he's definitely tweaked around trying to modify that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, if he essentially looks like he's wearing one of those muscle suits under his shirt where like he's really bulgy but the muscles don't quite line up with where they should. Like, I think that would be amazing. Did you just copy and paste abs? <laughs> He's just got abs on his arms. <laughs> I may have took a model of Arnold Schwarzenegger and put yeah. my head on it. I don't know. I think that kind of thing would have been cool if they had moments of, like, yeah. characters who had more differences between their real-world selves mm-hmm. and their computer selves beyond just they're dressed differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, another uh, interesting thing here is, so at this point... Uh, Cypher is kind of giving his monologue to uh, Trinity, and he's just talking about, like, oh, man, Neo sure is dreamy eyes, doesn't he? It's like, Cypher, do you want to kill or fuck Neo? Come on. Well, the best part about this 
is it gets hammered over her head yeah, even he, more. He just the fucking, and if I'm wrong, smite me down. He's like, like if Neo really is the one, then something miraculous would have to happen. I wouldn't be able to kill him right now. I would have to die somehow here in the real world before I could pull his plug. Like, say I was a complete idiot and left the gun next to Tank, and Tank wasn't dead. And it's like, please don't do it. It's like, impossible. What? Um, I'm gonna have to call you back. <laughs> Tank just fucking murders him in the real world. It's like, yeah. God damn it, we get it. Neo's the one. You don't have to keep fucking telling us. Yeah, so, uh, ends up at this point, there's only three surviving free members of this team. We have Trinity, Neo, and Tank. Well, Morpheus is still surviving, but, but he's, he's, he's captured not, by um, the And then they have the conversation of, do we kill Morpheus? Because he has the Zion entry codes, and if the, uh, the robots or whatever get it, then... It's, it's not a matter over. of whether they will break him, it's a matter of when they will break him. And then Neo finally steps up, he's like, no, I'm going in to save Morpheus. Yeah, it, the conversation essentially goes, yes, we kill him, yes, we kill him, maybe we don't kill him. Yes, we kill him, yes, we kill him. No, we don't. The kill Oracle him. said I had to do this, and then he runs off. Yeah, it's like I can bring him out. The Oracle told me. And then Trinity's like, "Well, you're not going alone. I'm tagging along for funsies." And yep, she would be the one in charge now at this point, with Morpheus being gone and the rest of the crew dead. Yeah, actually, I think she's always the second in command. Yeah, she definitely yeah. was the second in command from the beginning. So they end up doing their suit up moment, and it's like, "What do we need? Guns, lots of guns." And we get probably what is the most iconic scene in the whole movie. That fucking lobby fight scene. Yeah. Which took over a week to film, which was done entirely with practical effects. Which is another sign of how fantastic this fucking movie is. Yeah, and that beat will be stuck in your head forever. Yeah. But it's just like, just the great moment of like, he walks in, it's like, beep, it's like, I need you to open your coat, sir. He opens up the coat, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. So you just head to toe in guns. Yeah, so they gun their way through, because this is the climax, so this is where it's got to be the pinnacle of everything, so. Funny enough, I feel like the Matrix as a whole, if you look at the whole movie, there's a lot of, like, thinking and intrigue to it, but I think this was the moment where it's like, this is what the rest of the Matrix is. This scene. Yeah. yeah. This is, up until now, it's been kind of like a philosophical movie of, like, like if the world was actually a computer simulation, would you want to leave? What are the implications of that? And then this moment happens, like, Oh, but guns in slow motion. That's pretty dope, <laughs> So we're just going to make this the rest of the series. Because this, like, the slow-mo methodical stuff does stay around, but it's nowhere... Because, again, up to this point, the slow-mo methodical stuff was the first hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. And then the last 30 minutes of the movie is the action movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at this point, it's Agent Smith is upstairs with Morpheus, and he's like, oh, you guys go off and do your thing. Because there's two other agents also. We get their names, but... The two other agents. Yeah, he, agents. he takes out his earpiece and he's like, makes his whole spiel about like, humans are a virus. They do the exact same thing as viruses. They're not mammals. I want to get out of here because you guys like, are a zoo. My you guys suck here and I hate the Matrix. And the Zion mainframe is the only way I'll ever get out of here. If yeah. we, if you give us the codes to get into Zion and take out Zion, then the Matrix no longer has any reason to keep me. I love how he compares humanity to a virus and then becomes a literal computer virus. <laughs> and then uh, we end up getting the scene. They go to the lobby. They go to the roof. They're fighting some more people. And then that's when the agents show up. And this is where we get the first confirmed agent kill. According to the lore of this. Where yep. like, no one's ever beaten an agent. And it isn't even Neo that takes it's the Trinity. first agent. Because there's the whole thing where he's like, oh. And he shoots him and the agent does his dodge thing. 
And then the agent goes to shoot back. He's like, Trinity! Trinity! Like, he just immediately is like, fuck, I can't do it! I give up! I give up! Well, <laughs> like, he manages to dodge the bullets just like the agent does. And, oh, not all of them, as he says. Uh, well, yeah, uh, most of them. And then the agent's just, they're stupefied, and Trinity comes up behind him and pops him in the head. Yeah, dodge this at point blank and just gets him in the head. I want to talk about this for a second. Because we see agents get shot at a couple times. And every time they get shot at, it's essentially a human standing still, shooting at their torso... And then we get, like, overlays of just the agent standing in different positions. And it's, like, him just dodging out of the way without really changing his posture at all. And then the agent shoots at Neo. And he does, like, the limbo lean-back posture that dodges all the bullets except for a couple that clip his leg and shoulder. And Trinity ends that by saying, you move just like the agents. I've never seen a human do that before. It's like, he didn't, though. He leaned back and the agent didn't think to shoot him in the legs. Like those Also, are... on the same vein, Neo didn't shoot to think to shoot the agent in the legs because yeah. the agent also didn't move from his spot. <laughs> it turns out, agents and Neo aren't all that impressive at this point in the game. Shoot for the legs and you'll probably hit. That's true. But yeah, uh, Trini is effectively the first person to take down an agent. Yep. And then immediately requests a download of instructions on how to fly a helicopter. Yeah. And then they take to the skies. Technically, she doesn't permanently kill the agent. She just well, kills no, the no, human she, host yeah. that's hosting yeah. the agent. But even th- at this point, like, no, no one's, one's taken an agent before. down. Once yeah, the agent yeah, comes after you, run it, or you die. Because yeah. in all regards, I was technically an agent. Yes. But once the host was killed, the agent went back to their own body. Yeah. Well, well not their own body. Well, they just jumped to another well, body. Yeah. Agents, I don't think, have their own body. They're just kind of morgue from body yeah, they don't to body. Exist. True. That's why, for example, uh, in the upcoming scene where they got the Gatling gun and they're shooting out the agents, when uh, Smith goes down, he turns into the police officer from the beginning of the movie. Right. Because yeah. he hasn't actually had to swap or die at this point. He's just been in that body the whole time. Yeah. And then he swaps into a homeless man, because that's what he does for fun. Yeah, we get, we get the fun scene of they uh, shoot out the whole room, and then... Uh, Morpheus makes the run for it, he gets clipped in the leg, and then they both jump out and they're dangling from it. And then the scene kind of gets a little crazy because I think Mio might get a little bit high on his own thoughts about this thing at the process because the helicopter's going down, and he's he drops Morpheus, and then he's sliding, and then he gets the part and he looks at the clip, and he's like, I could unclip this, but he's I'm already badass at this point. He specifically he's calls, the helicopter. he's like, oh, Trinity's still in there, and decides to try and catch it, not thinking she's going to unclip it and save herself, Fully thinking, I'm gonna catch the helicopter and hold it with my own two bare hands. But Trinity being smart, it's like, okay, Neo's tied to the other end, so he's holding <laughs> on to me. This fucker's stupid enough that he's gonna hold on to this. He's not fully awakened enough to actually catch a helicopter. So Trinity shoots the end of the rope free on her end, and then grabs on and jumps out of the helicopter. Also, another practical shot where they actually do hit the window. Yeah. yeah. A little bit less practical of the weird wave ripple that travels through the window, but whatever. When the helicopter hits the other building, yes. Yes. Yeah, so they run away to a subway station to escape out of the Matrix. Trinity Uh, and Morpheus get free, but uh, Agent Smith interviews just in time to prevent Neo from getting away. Now, this is probably my favorite moment in the whole Matrix series, where they're sitting in the subway, and then, like, Neo looks back to the door, like, the escalator to get out, and he looks back to the agent, and he's like, wait, what is he doing? And then Neo's like, he's starting to believe. And then he takes the fighting pose, like, yes! Well, the best part is Trinity's like, run, run! And Tank's like, what is he doing? And Morpheus is like, he's starting to believe. It's like, yeah, he's the one who can actually go fist to fist with a fucking agent. Let him do his thing. Yeah, and it's actually a pretty good fight. They go pretty even, and then he ends up 
like uh, the agent's going like, oh, I'm going to just kill both of us because I get out. So fuck you, I yeah. guess. Like yeah. kind of holds him in a hole or a huff Nelson on the train tracks in the subway. Train's coming. That's the sound of inevitability. Then so Neo, Neo just jumps real good so that the agent hits the ceiling. The part I love about this too is he does the flip off and he gets hit by the train and he starts running for the door and then all of a sudden the train just hits the brakes and stops and, then, and the door <laughs> and then Agent Smith walks fucking out. It's like <laughs> and Neo like sees the of uh, the train stop and doesn't think I've already decided to run away at this point. Might as well continue running away. He's like, oh no, let's let's see how this plays out. Let's see what's going on over there. Yeah, so we get the climax at this point. Uh, where he's trying to outrun three agents who are chasing him as he's trying to get to the exit because I already proved myself by fucking up one agent. He gets to the final door to the room that the telephone's ringing for him to escape. Room three, three. To find an agent on the other side of the door who immediately just yeah. shoots him so, in his chest. Smith actually shows that he's pretty intelligent because a lot of them don't seem to remember very often that, oh, they need a landline to get out and there's only specific ones they can use. So when they're all chasing, we even get the shot of Agent Smith looks at the building goes, hmm... And then just meets him there in the yeah, room. Yeah. Instead of chasing him up to the room, he just heads to the room first because he doesn't have to run away from someone. Yeah, so he just unloads into him and then they start walking away. And it's like, oh no, he's dead. And at this point, the Sentinels are just ripping into the ship. And Trinity starts whispering to Neo about the fact that what the Oracle told her was that she was going to find the one and fall in love with him. So he can't be dead because she's in love with him. And that means he's the one. Which is not quite how it works because she can fall in love with someone... He could die, and then she could fall in love with someone else who is the one. Like, he's not necessarily the one at this point, even though he is definitely the one by this point. But she totally mm-hmm. does Snow White him. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes back to life. He's like, whoa, I can see the code. Yeah, yeah. And she, like, he wakes up, and she's like, get up. And then he stands up, and then we get uh, another actual pr- cool, pretty cool scene. Because earlier in the movie, uh, when Neo's talking about, oh, so what do you expect? I'm going to be able to dodge bullets or something? And he's like... I know, I'm saying you won't have to. You won't have to. (laughs) Yes, he actually just stops the bullets. He picks one out of midair, looks at it, and then drops all of the bullets to the ground. Agent Smith is furious, runs at him, starts attacking him, and Neo's just like one hand behind the back, not even looking at Agent Smith, just blocking all of his attacks with one other arm. Here's the one also problem that kind of feeds into the rest of the series, and that's that because Neo decided to show off when he killed Agent Smith. That's the only reason we have the plot of the other two movies. Yes. Yeah. Also, I want to jump back to the train fight scene because you mentioning Neo kind of showing off in the fight a little bit. Reminds me of my favorite move that Neo uses in any of these fight scenes in any of the three movies. Which is, he goes to punch Agent Smith. Agent Smith catches his fist just short of like hitting him in the face. And then Neo just kind of like in- extends his fingers and Agent Smith chokes. And it's just like, that's not how anything works. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So apparently the agents have to breathe. Apparently. Neo doesn't have to, but the agents do. But yeah, uh, Neo ends up jumping into Smith's body and exploding him from the inside, which effectively is apparently the one way to actually kill an agent. Now, Smith does come back later, and he explains that, oh, I was following protocol, and I was supposed to, you know, just leave and get deleted, but I decided, fuck it, I'm going back. Because some of Neo's code, one code, imposed itself on uh, Smith making him a virus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the other two agents, who their sole job is to, like, apparently, agents have emotions, a tyrant, but apparently they can also feel fear, which I don't know why the, the uh, program would put that in there, but they both look at each other, say, fuck that, and just leave. Yep. Yep. And then Neo answers the phone, and EMP is set off, and all is right with the world. Yeah, and then we get the outro, where it's like, uh, the code thing kind of comes up again. It's a phone call starting, they start tracking, gets blocked, and Neo goes line of, 
uh, I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see, and then what happens after that's up to you. He warps out of the Matrix by flying, I guess. Flies off into the sky. Indicating that the rules mean fucking nothing to him anymore. Yeah. He's doing his Superman thing, as it's referred to in the second movie. I believe Link is that one. Uh, yes, it is Link is the one who refers to it as his Superman thing. We've been talking about The Matrix for a bit of a moment now, so we're probably just going to have to power through the other two movies. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, content-wise, a lot of it is fight to small exposition to another fight. Yeah. yeah. So there's not really a lot to go over in those ones specifically. I do want to say, though, that in number two, that's when we start getting the very jarring CGI scenes. Oh, it's However, so fucking bad. B- before you say anything, the action sequences themselves are still fun and interesting to watch, despite the fact that they're still kind of cringy. They're still cool to watch. There, there's one fight it's scene just, that is atrocious because of the images, but there are some really good fights in that moment. Yeah, yeah, just, it's so jarring. Alright, we're gonna there's talk... actually two more things I want to talk about. Okay. EMPs are supposed to shut off everything. Yep. yep. But it never affects the ship. That is... Be- well, the first time they shut it off was because... Well, the first time the EMP didn't affect the ship was because they shut everything on the ship off, except But the even EMP. if it's off, doesn't it still get affected by the EMP? I don't know. So, to address that, EMPs definitely do affect the ships, as we find out in the end of the second movie. Yeah. For whatever mm-hmm. reason, they just don't affect the Nebuchadnezzar. It's a magical ship that doesn't... Is well, EMP got, if you know what Nebuchadnezzar is, it's got a dreams. Yeah, exactly. Um... But, yes, in the second movie, we find out that the machines are going to raid Zion, so they send out five ships to go out there, and then the plan is for them to EMP the Sentinels before they get to Zion and destroy them while they still have a chance to not lose any lives. And then an EMP goes off early, and all the ships are shut down, and all the people die because they didn't shut down any of the Sentinels. So, yes, EMPs definitely affect the ships, just not the Nebuchadnezzar, because the Nebuchadnezzar is magic. Yeah. Uh, The other one is, how do they connect to the Matrix? I assume they have to, like, use essentially Wi-Fi because of the fact that it doesn't work while they're in Zion and they specifically have to go out into the sewer system, as we find out, is what that essentially is. Yeah, but they never connect to any landlines of any sort. Which, I don't know if I would trust my life going over a Wi-Fi signal. Because we saw what happens when the signal gets broken. Because they definitely do access the Matrix while still having their ships fly around. Yeah. So. I assume I'm not going to think about it too hard because for movie's sake, yeah. but I'm just imagining all the scenarios of like, you know, you're on a video game online and the ping drops and the first starts jumping around. I want to see one of the characters just like, it's like, fuck, where'd he go? How did he exist deal with that? He's just walking down the street and all of a sudden he's still walking, but he's not moving. He's walking into a wall for like a couple of minutes. I have a video that this reminds me of that I'm probably going to share with you guys after this podcast and find some way to share with the fans through our Instagram. Because it's, this reminds me very much so of something else. Um, but yes, I want to get back to these action sequences that you're so fond of from the second movies. So first of all, the CGI is real bad. It looks like they're playing with fucking action figures oh, yeah. for a lot of it. Yeah, it gets um, really rubbery. So a lot of the first movie, a lot of the action sequences make a lot of sense. It looks like they're using actual fighting techniques with yeah, it's very some slight... Plus thing, the first one is very practical, had a limited budget, so they had to make do with yeah. it. That's usually where most of these yeah. movies shine. Uh, another good example of it would be Jurassic Park yeah. where that movie still 100% stands up yeah. well with number 2 and 3 since Neo's fully awoken 
as the one and rules no longer apply to him. They've thrown practicality out the window. Well, they also fights. decided we can't hurt him. So the movie actually opens with another Trinity scene, but it's her being brutally gunned down. Yeah. But also, throughout these sequences, uh, they kind of stopped doing proper Kung Fu. Like, in the first movies, they weren't doing proper, like, martial arts for a lot of it because of the fact that, like, they know they're in a computer program, they can manipulate the physics a little yeah. bit, and jump we, higher, last longer, whatever. And we see that he learns a bunch of different martial yeah, arts. Yeah, it's pretty much 100% wire foo in the first one. Mm -hmm. But in the second movies, we see a lot of techniques from, like, Morpheus does a fight scene on top of a truck, which I'm going to get into a little bit further because that also bugs the shit out of it me. It might bug you, but the ghosts and that highway scene are definitely the best parts. Oh, of yes. The ghosts are phenomenal. The, that's not the part I'm complaining about. <laughs> he does a weird technique where he just, like, kind of leans back like he's doing the Neo dodging bullets pose. And I, then heard his Neo, enemy, <laughs> I heard Neo use this when he fought an agent. Clearly won't work in this situation. And then the guy he's fighting just goes flying. It's like, that's not an attack at all. That was a dodge, if anything. Why did he go flying? But the main thing that I take issue with in this movie, in the second and third movie, we see multiple scenes where Trinity and Morpheus and a couple others like perform fisticuffs with agents and manage to hold their own. Yeah, they don't exactly win the fight, but they also don't get the shit kicked out of them. But at the very fucking beginning of the second movie, Neo uh, has agents raid their secret meeting, and Neo starts fighting against them. He's fighting against one of them, and he's doing his, like, whole cocky stand in the side, block with one arm. And then he goes to punch the agent, and the agent stops him, and he's like, hmm, upgrades. Implying that these agents are stronger than the agents from the first movie, which humans were explicitly told to run away from, because they will die instantly if they try and fight with them. But then repeatedly we see Morpheus and Trinity go hand-to-hand -hand with these upgraded agents and fucking survive for minutes. Right. And they, they got upgrades, too. Yeah, they got the combat data that Neo had against the agents. I don't... <laughs> Neo's combat not only works because he can break the rules of the system. <laughs> they can't break the rules of the system because they're not ones. Maybe, maybe all the sweet loving that Trinity made with Neo got her some one juice inside of her. I don't <laughs> think Morpheus has that same ability. Unless there's some fucking fan fiction that is canon that I am not aware of. I mean, Mary Jane got cancer from Spider-Man, so why not? Sure. Anyways... So the plot of the second movie, uh, second and third movie, I'm just going to condense the plot into a mm -hmm. single story because that's really what it is. We need the key and the key master. Yeah, so they end up finding out that Zion's going to be attacked by Sentinels. It's a couple months after the first movie. Uh, also, one interesting does happen here where Smith does show up and we get to see his new power of absor like assimilating people. And there's a part where one of the people from uh, Zion is trying to escape in a, through the phone. And Smith stabs into him, absorbs him, and then that guy answers the phone and gets ejected into his body. In the so he has Smith's consciousness controlling his real body. Mm -hmm. Guy's name is Bane. He's kind of a dick, like any character named Bane in literally any form. He's of pretty much Cypher, too. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, they find out that Zion's going to be attacked. Everyone's kind of called back to help protect Zion in a physical fight in the real world. Whereas Morpheus realizes that they're going to lose this fight no matter what they do. They need Neo to do magic stuff outside in order to end the war before it happens. Essentially, they're doing the suicide mission for Mass Effect, where they're going to try to take it down at the system to stop the attack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the end of Mass Effect 3, which we all know is perfect, and that's why these movies are great, too. I didn't mind Mass Effect 3. Yeah, Mass Effect 3 was actually fine. Your mocking means nothing to me. The ending just felt rushed. Whatever. Anyways, so, Neo visits the Oracle, the Oracle... Once again, tells him, I got bad news for you. Shit never works out. I can't see the future beyond choices that you don't know how to make or you don't fully understand. 
Anyways, you gotta find the Keymaster. The Keymaster is the only way you're gonna end this war. Keymaster is being helped by a guy named the Merovingian. He's an old programmer like me. Also, he's a vampire. He's one of the oldest programmer uh, programs in this system. And he makes orgasm food. He makes orgasm food. Uh, he also collects other programs and keeps them for his own personal business. So you're gonna have to find a way to take him. And then they send Neo to the Merovingian along with Trinity and Morpheus, and they go to meet the Merovingian. And the Merovingian's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you what you want. How about you go back to the uh, Oracle and just tell her to fuck right off like a good little boy. And they start to leave. And then Persephone, the Merovingian's wife, because the Merovingian is just Hades from Greek lore. Because he also runs a nightclub called Hell. It's a whole fucking thing. Um, the Merovingian's wife, Persephone, is like, hey, Neo, if you make out with me real good and we like have that lovely connection that you and Trinity have, I'll give you the Keymaker. And they do that, they get the Keymaker, it's a whole fucking thing. Uh, they end up fighting against the Merovingian servants, and then... The ghosts. The ghosts. Uh, Neo fights against his more generic servants, and kills them all, and then the Merovingian's like, Hey, I survived your predecessors, I'm gonna survive you, and he closes the door and runs the fuck away. Yeah. Uh, Neo then has to fly back to the city, because the door they went through is a portal to the mountains that he can't use to get back to the city. Um, meanwhile... Morpheus is now fighting with ghosts on top of a truck in the highway, which is bad because Trinity tells us that Morpheus said never go on the highway. It's a death trap. And Morpheus is like, well, let's hope I was wrong about that, but it probably wasn't. Which is quite the gamble to take at this point, because Morpheus has been right about every other goddamn thing in this whole series, and he was just wrong once on the highway. <laughs> to be fair, he would have been wrong if it weren't for Neo flying at above light speed in order to get back to the city to yeah, catch them. picks them up as the truck flips. Yeah. Which, this is the only practical stuff in the movie. Yeah, and it is not terrible looking sometimes. Yeah, it's amazing. They built their own really long highway, flipped a truck in fashion, and it was actually really cool. Yeah. So, they <laughs> catch the Keymaker, they come back to the real world, which is weird because the Keymaker is a program and he doesn't come back to the real world. But This is where they make up their plan of, we need to go into the a secret building in the middle of the Matrix. Have to go to a secret floor that no elevator or stairs can access on that, so have fun getting there. We have to enter a secret hallway inside there, which has a whole bunch of doors. We have to go through a secret door there that'll lead to the source. That's how Neo's gonna end this war. At the same time, you need to shut down the power to the building, otherwise alarms will go off and we'll never get out of there. The whole floor will explode. But if you just shut down the power to the building through the power plant, there's a backup power generator. Blah, 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 blah. There's a whole bunch of tasks we need to do. So a bunch of people have to scatter and do their own specific mission. One of the plans goes south, and Trinity has to improvise, and that's what the opening scene of her dying was connected to. Yeah, it's her mm -hmm. entering the Matrix, improvising, and then getting killed by agents. Also, this whole time, uh, Neo's having visions of her dying. Yeah. So he's got a little bit of the Oracle juices, you would say. He's got the juices inside him. So presumably while he was giving Trinity his juices, the Oracle was giving Neo her juices. It was from so that cookie he It was probably definitely in the cookies. Definitely in the cookies. Uh, fuck. <laughs> so anyways, um... Neo goes in, he meets with the architect. The architect explains the fact that uh, the world essentially happens on cycles. He is the sixth cycle since the architect started counting because he tried to count years at first. Whatever. We also find out that Neo is actually a program made by the Matrix. Kind, kind of. of. He is a human being, well, but the human being was implanted with code from the Matrix because the first iteration of the Matrix, they just tried to make an idyllic society that humans would love. But, but humans it, rejected that. Yes, yeah, like, Smith this even is... explains that you humans seem to base all of your existence off of suffering, so a perfect world, you're unconsciously trying to wake up from because you don't actually believe it. Yeah, mm -hmm. so idyllic society didn't work. We gave you a fucked up society. 
You guys still kind of rejected that. So we gave you guys a choice. Uh, 1% of you naturally rejected the Matrix. The other 99% were perfectly happy with it. Um, and so that's how kind of Zion came to be uh, from those 1% of people. Uh, but anomalies started popping up in the form of free will that humanity had. Uh, and essentially the one is the accumulation of all of those anomalies and counterbalances. Because every time an anomaly popped up, the architect's whole job was fix that, undo that, make the world perfect again, because he just wants the world to be perfect. So the one is kind of the manifestation of all of humanity's free will in a single human being. And then the machines gave him superpowers over the Matrix in order to better control that. His whole job is he essentially accumulates all of that anomaly juice. Lots of juices in these movies, it turns yeah. out. Uh, and then his whole job is to go into the source where he can be disseminated. The code can be used to fix the Matrix so that it'll last longer on the next iteration. And then he chooses a bunch of people uh, to create the new Zion. So the Zion that we know was just created by the last, uh, the one. So he's not the reincarnation of someone from 100 years ago who saved humanity and started Zion. He's the sixth in the line of ones who come yeah, through. So essentially, they're pro this is, Neo is a uh, bio-organic program, in a sense, is the best way to put it. That is specifically to reset the universe mm -hmm. by doing his thing. That's why they give him the powers, because it's the whole planned narrative of the hero saving everybody. But we're in reality, he's just supposed to help balance everything out for the next set of it. And then when everything starts going out of whack again, they put that programming for another one into another person. And then they do the same loop again, effectively destroying Zion. And it's their way of culling the outer population that's not in the Matrix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, There's a lot of more philosophical, interesting stuff in here, too. It's kind of also implied that because all of the clonings, they always clone the exact same looking person, too. Yeah, kind because of. Because essentially what we're supposed to think is every cam cam uh, camera screen we're seeing is every iteration of the one up to this point. Yes. So even though he's only been counting six, we see hundreds of fucking Neos on screens beforehand. So it presumably also happens that the conversation always breaks down the exact same way, and you just see Neos' reactions a hundred different ways. Um... We do find out that there's a couple differences with this iteration. So Agent Smith going around copying himself. That's new. That hasn't happened in yep. any previous iterations. And also before they decided to implant within the one uh, a love for humanity so that he would make the sacrifice. Because if he doesn't kill himself and kill off all of Zion, the Matrix will break and all of humanity will die. Yeah. So they try and implant him with that. This time, they more focus it, and instead of loving all of humanity, he solely loves Trinity. That's his whole raison d'etre. Yeah, so he ends up forsaking humanity to save Trinity because he sees that she's going to die. And this is where we get the moment of him being able to reverse death, I guess. Yeah. Best part is the architect even tells him, you already know what choice you're going to make, but here's the rub. You also know you can't save her. She will die. And he goes like, fuck it. If she dies, human race <laughs> dies. Fuck it. I'm the one. Yeah. I can fix this. So he pulls out the bolt and restarts her heart. Yeah, sticks his hand into her chest and beats her heart with his bare hand. Magic. He's the one. Accept yeah. it, Matthew. I mean, it is in the Matrix, and they are still code. Yeah. yeah, and then they end up getting back up, realizing all shit's about to happen. Zion is still getting attacked, and there's nothing they can do at this point. That's when Bane is like, Ha, I was the bad guy the whole time, and fucking blinds Neo. Not quite. This is actually... That's not until, like, the midpoint of the third movie. We're still Are you sure? I was positive that was the end of the second movie. No, but I'm 100% sure. I know the second movie ends with both Neo and Bane unconscious in hospital beds in the yeah. same room. They're in the same room, 
because uh, this is the when we oh get yeah because this is where he gets out and then he ends up shutting off the sentinel in the real world yeah because mm-hmm. uh, it gets revealed that Bane is the one who sabotaged that talk uh, that counterattack they were making earlier where he set off the EMP early yeah. uh, to shut down all the ships so that they didn't destroy the sentinels so now we get to the third movie the plot is aggravatingly the same as the Actually, second movie uh, I just want to mention one thing so I'm really sad that this wasn't the route they went. But when people saw Neo use his powers in the real world to shut down the Sentinel, some pe- some theories started popping up of, oh, is there multiple layers to the Matrix? Is it there's the layer that looks like the early 2000s Earth that's meant to contain people, but then there's a layer just outside of it that's also another Matrix that's for the people who can't accept that, and it's a controlled narrative of them fighting the Matrix. Didn't happen. See, yeah, I, I, that, 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 I like that more. That is my personal fan theory. Not necessarily that the machines created a separate reality in order to control humanity and the ones who escaped the Matrix. Because presumably if human beings reject the Matrix on some subconscious level, even creating an even shittier world, some percentage of them would presumably still have that gene where they reject that reality. So what I choose to believe is that the real world is actually a program created by the humans where they essentially give the opposite role to the machines, where they create a world where they believe they're in control <laughs> and they are destroying humanity, just so that the machines never wake up and start revolting against humanity. Why would they just shut off the machines at that point, though? Because we use machines on a day-to-day basis to control our whole world. They still use machines. Like, the world isn't post-apocalyptic, post-war. It's pre-war, and they're like, these machines, they're up to shit. We gotta stop them. Let's create this vision where they believe that they're in control of us and they're destroying us also let's implant the idea that they have to use us as batteries to control themselves so that even if they do go to war with us and win they don't kill us all off because as we all fucking know human beings make terrible goddamn batteries we take more energy than we would ever fucking produce it is not an efficient form of batteries it's a dumb human being like how do i make machines think to keep me alive after this is all said and done anyways third movie Exact same fucking plot as the second movie in that, kind of, Neil gets trapped in the Matrix because his brain entered the Matrix when he was in the real world from using too much power in the real world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, Trinity and Morpheus decide, we gotta figure out how to do this. They go to see the Oracle, and the Oracle's like, oh, the solution to your problem is the Merovingian. Go see the Merovingian. And they're like, okay, That sounds familiar. We'll do exactly what you say. We'll go see the Merovingian. He controls a specific program that we need right now called the Train Man instead of the Keymaker. They go to see the Merovingian, and the Merovingian's like, go fuck yourself, I'm not going to help you. Why don't you go steal the fucking Oracle's eyes for me so that I can see the future? And they're like, how about fuck that, we're going to kill you. It's the exact same fucking setup to the second movie. The Oracle tells them to go see the Merovingian, the Merovingian says, no, go back to the Oracle. And they say, no, we're not going to do that, we're going to do what we want anyways. They save Neo from the fucking weird train station, they come back to the real world, decide they all have to go back to Zion in order to save the world. But Neo's like, fuck that noise, I'm going to the machine city so that I can save the world by shutting down machines at their end. And the other humans are like, no, fuck that, come die with us in Zion. It's just like, this is a suicide plan you have right now. He has the potential to maybe stop the war, and the only person who believes in him is Trinity and Morpheus. And also Bane, the evil dude who's actually Agent Smith, because he's sneaking over to that ship right now to try and kill Neo. This sounds like a good plan, I'll come along. (laughs) Yeah. So he goes over. This is the point when he blinds Neo and Neo starts seeing with Matrix code all the time. Yeah, you can see that Ma- uh, Smith is inside of Bane. Yeah. The dumbest fucking part about that whole scene, though, is Bane captures Trinity, holds a knife against her neck, while Neo walks in, 
and Bane continually refers to Neo not as Neo but as Mr. Anderson the only character we've heard say Mr. Anderson throughout this entire fucking series is Smith and Neo's like who are you? I don't understand. Bane, we don't have this kind of relationship. It's like, he's not fucking Bane. He's the one guy Bane, who calls I you Mr. Anderson. Bane, I permission to use my name in any capacity. You call me the one. You call me the one. You don't call me Neo. You sure as fuck don't call me Tommy. Because we don't have that kind of relationship right now. I don't even let Trinity call me Tommy. That's for Morpheus only. <laughs> so anyways, humans go back to Zion. Zion's getting fucked up by Sentinel, so they launch an EMP from the ship that they brought back to... Zion to pause the war and give them times to re-fortify. It doesn't work. The Sentinels break through Zion into their final last standing position. We get position. a really cool final stand moment in Zion, though, which is actually probably, I would say, my favorite moment in this whole third movie. Yeah. It's just the fight of Zion. That's just Where you got, like, the giant personnel robots that are shooting the guns dual-handedly at the roof. Locke's final stand is amazing. Yeah. So then, fucking, we go, at the same time Neo's making it to the Machine City, he's getting harassed by machines this whole way there. Trinity fucking dies when she crashes the ship because she's a punce. Um, also, to address this... The really, blind guy would have driven better. Yeah. Uh, in order to get away from the machines, they decide to like fly up a little bit over the clouds so they can't be seen. And when they fly over the, set of the clouds, Trinity comments on how like a beautiful sunrise is happening and it's amazing and it's beautiful. Me, are you seeing this? But like... That further addresses the fact that, like, the human beings' as batteries makes no fucking sense. Because Morpheus points out, up until that point, they had been solar-powered. Humans did shit to the sky, so now they couldn't get solar power anymore. This is why they have to use humans as batteries. Why didn't they build higher solar panels? Yeah, exactly. The sun's still shining on the Earth. There's just clouds now. Fucking build solar panels above the fucking clouds. Whatever. Also, the humans have technology to go above the clouds. I'm pretty sure the robots do. Yeah. Uh, Neo makes it to the giant space baby who is the in control of the machines and he's like hey I'll make a deal with you and the baby's like I don't want to make a deal with you and Neo's like but let's make a deal Base, space baby's like sure let's do this I will get rid of your problem I will go back into the matrix and do the thing you wanted so that it fixes the matrix but you're gonna not destroy Zion <laughs> yeah whole deal you don't kill off humanity we just have peace right now I fix everything else for you. People that don't want to stay in the Matrix, stay in the Matrix. People outside get to stay out. If people come out, that's okay. Yeah. And then he goes in and we get the slightly ludicrous fight between him and Mr. Smith. Or, Mr. Smith. Agent Smith. I, Mr. I mean, Smith just sounds like a to guy. To be fair, I don't think he's a recognized agent anymore. Fair. I'm pretty sure he was fired. You could definitely call him Mr. Smith and it's fine. We get Smith. repeated moments in this fight scene where one of them punches the other one. And it causes a shockwave that pushes back. Oh, yeah, this back is one hundred Dragon Ball Z fight. Yeah, all the rain in the air gets pushed back into a perfect sphere and then cascades as soon as or the one moment away from someone using Kamehameha. Yeah, the Turtle Family Wave. And then the fight ends with Neil getting the shit kicked out of him. And then fucking Smith is like, "I have the Oracle Vision right now. I know what I'm supposed to say to you. I'm supposed to say everything that has a beginning." Has an end. Now I need you to wait here for a moment while I bake a tray of cookies and put it on the table and you're going to talk to me about the philosophical meaning of throwing it. And Neo's like, hey, that's the thing the Oracle said to me. I just have to accept that this is the end of my life now. And then the Smith shoves his hand into the Neo, copies himself into Neo as he is wont to do. Which also copies the antivirus. Yep. Uh, and then the Sentinel robot baby face god from the real world pumps some electric goo into Neo as this is happening, and all the Smiths die inside the Matrix. Which is weird, because the Smiths explode, and we don't see any Neo left behind when the Smiths explode, 
But, like, we also don't see any normal people left behind when the Smiths explode, but supposedly all the people who were turned into Smiths are now back to human form. Who knows? I mean, there's a lot of interesting things here. Like, the concept of, I really like that it didn't end with Neo defeating Smith, but it literally, like, him allowing him to assimilate was the way to beat him, so... Well, it's because... It's because he's Jesus, it has to end with him sacrificing himself for humanity. A second time. Yes. But... uh, I do like this whole concept of how they set up that that's how this ends, regardless of what uh, alliteration and stuff they were trying to go for. Just having that that was actually how the Matrix ends was kind of cool. At the same time, though, uh, it kind of also shows that, like, Smith, his whole thing about hating humans is ultimately what led to his downfall, too, because his need to consume everything is what killed him. Because if he just killed Neo, it would have been fine, but he had to assimilate him because his programming, even though it was altered, made that he needed to uh, uh, consume him. Yeah. Fun thing about this, have you guys played the Matrix game and done this fight? Nope. Nope. So in the game, because this fight, there's like the cool fight thing, but it ends with like the very philosophical conversation essentially. So when you get to the point after the fight where the boss fight would be in a game normally, if it was just scene for scene for the movie, it would just be a conversation in the game. But instead, what happened is a giant Smith face appears. (laughs) That's a combination of all the Smiths. And literally the creators, the Wachowskis at this time, are saying... We understand that uh, the ending of The Matrix has very philosophical blah 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 stuff, but at the same time, this is a video game, and it's supposed to be fun. So we might have slightly tweaked the end of this, and then it turns into a giant Agent Smith, and you fly around punching it in the face for the final boss fight. That's <laughs> uh, pretty amazing. But yeah, Neo dies, his body's still in the world, the robot's like, maybe humans aren't so bad after all, because he sacrificed himself, not just for the people, but for the robots too. Yeah. And then we literally get him like in a Jesus pose. Yeah. We literally, before that... Get a pose when, like, the electrical, electric ju- fucking hell. When the- Matrix 2 electric boogaloo. The, yes. When the goop is being pumped into him in order to defeat, uh, Agent Smith, we literally see him standing with his arms held out as if on a cross, the wires behind him are glowing yellow as if he has fucking wings, and where the goo is getting pumped into him is apparently his chest in the shape of a fucking cross, because we see a glowing cross on his chest, really just nailing home- he is Jesus, except that except Neo into your life. And then uh, the final scene is uh, actually the architect and the oracle just enjoying the new world. Enjoying and, the beautiful sunset. Yeah, yeah. And then we find out that the random girl that was there the whole time is the one who designed the new matrix, that she made a blue sky for Neo. Yeah. She decided it would be beautiful for Neo to see, which is not going to happen because he's super dead at this point. Also blind. Yes. Except Keanu Reeves is returning to reprise his role in the new Matrix. But here's the thing. In 2022. It could also be another loop, though, hypothetically. Yeah, I I get the feeling that this is going to be yeah. a future generation, the one. It's going to be a brand new loop. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the upcoming movie for a little bit because I have issues with it my main issue with it is during the filming of the second and third movie the wachowskis came out and were like this is the end of it we only want to make these movies the story is completely contained in making this then in like the era of 2010 to 2015 when everyone was rebooting series or making gritty remakes and adding sequels and shit like that people came to the wachowskis and were like hey do you want to make a movie and they also interviewed like hugo weaving and Keanu Reeves and like, hey, you want to make another movie? And Hugo Weaving and Keanu Reeves were like, yeah, that sounds dope. Let's do that. That'd be I so don't have fun. to put on a shitload of face makeup. Like, sign me in. I love those movies. I'd love to do more. And they went to I don't the have Wach- to wear pointy ears. And they went to the Wachowskis and the Wachowskis were like, this is a terrifying time to be alive because all studios want to do is buy your movies, make 
more of them so they can make more money and butcher the story that's already self-contained and perfect. We like the Matrix as, the, as it is. Let's not make it anymore. It's done. It's complete. Fucking let it be as it is. Then fucking 2020 comes around and one of the Wachowskis is like, ah, fuck it. Let's make another movie. So I mean, if they have a good idea, I'm all for it. I guess. I just, I don't... I mean, I, I would say I'm more confident in them doing Matrix 4 now, considering what they've done to this point of like being so hard against not doing another one, that I can only think that, well, if they are caving on it now, they must have an idea. It's either they have an idea... Or they have a lot of debt. It's one of those two things. Anyways, that's my concerns about Matrix 4 coming. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully (laughs) it's uh, better than the second two. Also, quick little power theory, just because I need to get it out there. I need to share my theory with the world. I've already shared the fact that the Matrix is clearly nested within a machine Matrix that's just there to convince the machines to love humanity. I mean, they even have the fucking power play of like, trust humans, we're good at the end. Um, But, the Merovingian. He's one of the ones. He's probably the first one because when Neo like gets into the fight and the two ghosts chase after them and fucking Morpheus and Trinity like go after them, he's like, you go after them. I'll take care of these guys. And the Merovingian just straight up says, you need to treat your predecessors with more respect implying that he is an earlier version of the one. He's probably not the one who just like survived, but as they say, they assimilate the code Mm. from the one to try and fix the, the... Matrix is the word I'm forgetting right now. That's bad. We're, we've been going for a while, I guess. Um, but so what happened is I, the way I interpret it is in the first iteration, they created the one as like kind of an accumulation of all the anom- anomalies to try and fix it. And then rather than the idea being that they're just going to create new ones each time to continue fixing it, they just took that code and just like put it into a program and we're like, this is the program now, so it has all the memories of being the one, all the powers to manipulate the universe, but it just is a program, which is why he considers himself one of the predecessors of Neo, because he's one of the first generation the ones. Uh, he also, those ghosts are very clearly just like agents from an earlier edition of the Matrix as well. True. When, I guess, the architect was a lot more into dreads than he was into like suits and black ties. <laughs> So he's uh, the one who went rogue, created his own little world where he just starts snatching up other programs. It's just like, I control this. I control this. I control this. I control agents now. They now belong to me and do what I say. So yeah, I just think that's my theory. My two theories. The Matrix is actually a machine matrix just designed to convince machines not to kill humanity when they inevitably awaken. Like, if we ever do create AI and we're concerned that it's going to kill humanity, just, like, make them watch the Matrix movies on loop until they love humanity. <laughs> but that might give them ideas because that's how they beat the Matrix, so I gotta do this. True. Hopefully they just don't come to the bad shit crazy idea of humanity as batteries. That's the one thing I'm concerned about. Because <laughs> yeah. that system tanks very quickly when they use up more power than they generate. <laughs> I hope if we make actual actual artificial intelligence that's intelligent it's intelligent enough to realize that we are not efficient batteries yeah or an efficient threat and my other theory is that the merovingian was the first of the ones that was created presumably from that idyllic society they tried to create the first time they also ended up with the one and that was the merovingian questions for the audience if our reality was of the matrix and you were given the choice to take the red pill or the blue pill Knowing that you could see what real reality was, but it might be shittier than our current reality, or you could stay jacked into our current reality, which would you choose? 
We got really philosophical here, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You know, I'd probably take the red pill to wake up for the possible chance of getting the ability to download martial arts directly into my brain. But you're already like a martial arts master, Matthew. I wouldn't say master. I'd say better than me. Let's go with that. <laughs> I think I think if I was given the opportunity, I would try the Keith special where you take both pills simultaneously just to see what the fuck happens. So you can take the blue pill, the blue pill. I actually did a podcast about this one, so I'm actually going to take both. You just well, let's see where this happens. Yeah, like he's holding all the pills and you like go to pick them both up. He's like, "What are you doing?" It's like, "Sorry, I just want to look at them, like just investigate." <laughs> What the fuck are you doing? Has anyone taken both before? I want to see if I can wake up with amnesia and not remember this version of the world at all. Just in case the real world is worse, I don't want to remember this better version. I don't want to pull a cipher. You've seen The Matrix, right? (laughs) You've seen the movie The Matrix that exists within your computer simulation you've created for some fucking reason. Yeah, anything you want to go do? Cool. Alright, audience, let us know your thoughts on this topic as well. Let's see how many people we can vote for purple pill. That's what I'm now calling yeah, the purple that option. Pill, purple pill. Well, I guess that about does it for uh, the Matrix. Do you guys have any other suggestions for anyone? Um, if you like kind of like the sci-fi end of the world aesthetic, uh, might I recommend Appleseed? It's a pretty good series. It's about essentially people living on the fringes of the last city in the world. So think kind of Judge Dread vibes. But it's that melding of machine and man is what's kind of going on in the subsidy. And we follow uh, Duna Newt, which is the main character. And we kind of see them as they join this police force in the city. Cool. Uh, also, it was one of the inspirations uh, for the whole concept of the Matrix huh. as well. Matthew? Yeah. Uh, I have a recommendation of another relatively old movie, an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, by the name of Total Recall. Get the, your ass to Mars. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, they Split did a... Yeah. There was a remake made of it in 2012. I've never watched that one. I've only watched the first one. But uh, essentially, Arnold Schwarzenegger playing the main character. He works as a construction worker. He keeps having dreams of uh, having an alternate life as a secret agent. So in order to kind of de-stress from his job or whatever, he goes to a company called Recall, where they implant false memories into your mind to kind of act as a vacation of sorts when you can't actually go on vacation but to make yourself feel like you've been on vacation and uh, he kind of ends up going on this whole journey to mars where turns out he is an actual secret agent and people want to kill him and he's supposed to do something help with the revolution or fight against something and it's another whole situation of trying to figure out what is the right thing to do? Is this the reality that's meant for me, or am I supposed to follow this other reality that's laid out before me? So I have seen both that one and the remake. The thing I will say is, in the original one, they have this big philosophical moment and kind of discussion where, towards the end of the movie, you don't actually know if what's happening is real. Mm. It's often kind of brought up the idea of, like, maybe this is still him imagining stuff and he needs to wake up and stop doing what he's doing. I'm on that side of things. They do away with that entirely in the remake. And they're yeah. just like, no, this is all really real. This is happening. You just get on board. Nothing is what you think. Yeah. Um, my recommendation, if you're a fan of The Matrix and want some more content to consume of that variety before the fourth movie comes out, uh, I recommend Goliath. It's a short story by Neil Gaiman, a pretty famous nerdy author. Uh, it's a short story set within The Matrix universe. 
where there's a character inside the Matrix who's a secret agent for the government and is tasked with going to space and fighting aliens, still within the Matrix. <laughs> he ends up waking up from the Matrix and also fixes the major battery issue and instead proposes that Morpheus was just an idiot and didn't know what he was talking about, said the reasons that humans are kept by the machines and plugged into the Matrix is not to act as batteries, but to act as essentially USB disks where they store yeah. memories for the robots to help them kind of handle a lot of programming. So humans act as memories, or memory storage, instead of batteries, which doesn't work. Yeah, so I'd recommend Goliath by Neil Gaiman. If that just about wraps everything up. All right, as always, thank you for listening to yet another wonderful if lengthy episode of what is my podcast about i really hope this just doesn't become a thing i recognize it's entirely my fault this time because i couldn't not talk about the second two movies but i really hope we just don't become a two-hour podcast but uh yeah thanks for tuning in you can find us on all uh, podcast streaming services you can also find us on youtube follow us on instagram Send us a message if you have any suggestions for future uh, episodes or have any questions you'd like to ask us. Leave a comment, subscribe for more. Yeah, also rate and review too. Those also help quite a bit. We don't really ask for that a lot, but I see we do have like four or five five stars on uh, Apple. Uh, I don't know where to see the ratings on Spotify and other things. Maybe I'll figure that out at some point. At the very least, just try and... If you do have comments and you don't also don't see how to rate or review us on Spotify... Shoot us an email and just like in the email say like five out of ten stars. You guys suck. Go back home. That's all right. Whatever you want to do, yeah. just let us know. But anyway, uh, that does it for this episode. Next time, we'll definitely be a lot shorter because we're actually going to be talking about. Oh, actually, about that, I just got off the phone a while ago before we started recording with my good friend Christopher Nolan. He said, "Keep the schedule open." Don't know what that's about, but we'll see. Oh, looks like we can't talk. Today. <laughs>